My name is Matt Brown. Uh, everybody in this building should know who the hell I am. And let's start the show. I woke up this morning and I got out of bed. Got a big old box of popcorn to clear my head. Went to the theater and down I sat. We're going to the movies with what's up with that movie. What's up with that? 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 Yeah. What's going on, everybody? The world is a better place because you are here to join us. My name is Matt Brown, and I am the host of the Productive Conversations podcast, this endeavor, and this mission to entertain, inspire, and inform the greatest listeners in the world, the listeners of the Productive Conversations podcast. What's going on, everybody? I hope everybody is fantastic on this Thursday, March 18th day. Whoa! One day closer to the end of the pandemic, one day closer to happiness, one day closer to your big opportunity. I hope everybody is realizing all of this, making the most of what they can do. And with that, just some reminders. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the Productive Conversations podcast on all podcasts and platforms and YouTube. And please leave us a review. And also check out all exclusive content of the entire podcast. Go to ProductiveConversationsPodcast.com and check out all the things we have to offer from every single one of our podcasts, both audially and visually. You could also check out the blogs we I write. You could check out Uh, some photos and a lot of other great things regarding the Productive Conversations podcast. And another thing you can add on to it and check out on this website is our merchandise store. You go to our store merchandise store either in the episode description below and check out the link to our merchandise store or go to ProductiveConversationsPodcast.com slash merchandise and check out the merchandise shop we have thanks to our friends at Zazzle. Whether it's incredible apparel, office supplies, stationary items, and any other things you could put the Productive Conversations Podcast logo on, you could check out all the great things we have to offer thanks to our friends at Zazzle and the great things we have to offer to sell to you and for us to enjoy as I'm comfortably wearing a Productive Conversations Podcast hoodie as we speak, feel free to join the club and enjoy the great things we have to offer here on the Productive Conversations Podcast website's merchandise store. Oh, there's so many great things and every single item has a promo code and discount code. Just check out the item and the discount code when you are purchasing the item. Type in the promo code at checkout and enjoy the affordable great things we have to offer thanks to our friends at Zazzle with our merchandise store. Door. And also don't forget to check us out on social media at Productive Conversations Podcast on Instagram, at Prod Convo Pod on Twitter, at Productive Conversations on TikTok. So many good things, so many fun things as we keep growing with this show. And thank you for the greatest listeners and fans in the world for making it all possible. So on this March 18th day, what's exciting about my home state of Connecticut is thanks to our COVID relief bill, Government Lamont is moving us up in the for eligible people who are eligible to get the COVID-19 vaccine. So as I'm recording this on the 18th, as of today, 
or I should say as of yesterday, uh, the vaccine will be available from anyone between the ages of 16 to 44 on April 5th, 2021. And I believe next week, the 22nd, is when people from the ages of, I believe, 54, 44 to 54 will be eligible for the vaccine and then anyone for 44 and younger which includes me are eligible for the vaccine starting april 5th the first monday of the year and you know what on april 5th i do my usual morning monday morning routine as of now get up at six work out from 6 30 to 8 30 have my supplements and shower and uh, as soon as I'm ready, around 9.30, 10, p- 10 a.m. to get ready for this show and to also apply to some jobs, I am going to my registration. I am going to register myself for this vaccine, assuming it is open and operable. And I'm signing up, and I'm just going to uh, be very appreciative whenever I can get my shot, wherever I can get my shot, literally and figuratively. Hopefully I can do my part in ending this pandemic once and for all, as well as my other Connecticut friends and family out there. So big news from Governor Lamont. Thank you for President Biden for helping make this possible and all of Congress for making this possible. And I can't wait till this time of our lives are done. I could do my part to feel to I could do my part to help end this pandemic and i can feel a little bit better going about my days being vaccinated thank you science for making it possible all you incredible men women and people for making it a possibility to live a fulfilled and normal life again thanks to the vaccine whether it's pfizer johnson and johnson and moderna you all are incredible human beings man it's mid-march already wow Feeling good. The Knicks and the Nets had an incredible game on Wednesday, on Monday night. My Knicks battled it out, played their hearts out against a much better team on paper and on the court. But we only lost by five. We almost had it with, what, less than six seconds? I think it was 5.7 seconds left. And Julius Randle looking for the up and down call and get another jump ball. But it turned out to be a traveling call. It has much debate, and we were not able to get the game-tying shot that we were hoping for, and the Nets won in a thriller, but I like the fight of this team. We continue to fight like this. We will beat those teams we're not supposed to beat, whether it's the tough loss to the Bucks that happened on over the weekend, and then we have this tough game against we had this tough game against brooklyn and another tough game against philadelphia but you know what this team's coming together they're getting grit they're pushing they're pushing forward and man i can't wait to see my knicks keep striving and being the best they can be let's go new york knicks oh i love this team so so much Man, Emmanuel quickly, Julius Randle, RJ all playing well. Coach Thibs leading us to victory, getting solid, productive minutes out of people like Bullock and Nerlens Noel. Oh, man. And wait till Mitch Robinson comes back as well. This Knicks team is something to look forward to. 
Oh, yes. And you know what's another thing to look forward to is my guest today, David Buck, is on the Productive Conversations podcast, a.k.a. the host of Fresh Faces, New Ideas, a political and news talk show on YouTube. Go like and subscribe to Fresh Faces, New Ideas. It is a must listen to get your news and sources. And my great friend David Bach from college breaks everything down and helps us understand the crazy world of politics in this intense world of news we live in today. So we talk about America. We talk about all the things that are happening within the Biden administration. We also talk about life. We talk about the NBA and we talk about where this country is going as a whole. So a lot's to do on this incredible episode of the Productive Conversations podcast. And stay tuned to hear my preview of March Madness, the NCAA men's division one national basketball tournament is taking place starting this Friday. The brackets came out on Monday. We're getting our pools in. We're getting people to sign up. And yeah, let's bring the noise and let's have some fun. So after my conversation with Bach, feel free to tune in and stay tuned for the March Madness preview. But with that and before that, we have an incredible guest we have an incredible conversation. We have incredible vibes. And let's start it right now. David Bach, the host of Fresh Faces New Ideas, is on the Productive Conversations podcast right now. Let's get to it. David Bach, it's your turn. Here we go. introduction but he is one of the most genuine people i ever met at the university of hartford and i'm really not saying that he has a great mind he has a great heart and he's a great human being and he has also joined us and we're lucky enough to see him create content as well he is the host of fresh faces new ideas david bach welcome to the productive conversations podcast my friend how are we doing I'm doing good. Thanks for having me, Matt. So yes, like Matt said, I am the the I do a YouTube channel called Fresh Faces New Ideas. That's where you can find me on YouTube. On Twitter, you can find me at Faces Ideas. Um, still growing. You can also, if you um, and I can tell this story later how I got started in this. Um, if you listen to the Center Life Radio podcast on Fridays, is when I record them, and then usually it puts them up on the weekend. So that's on either their website or Apple Podcast Center Live Radio. I've been doing that for three years now. When was Parker? All right. <laughs> That's when I started. He's doing beautiful, man. Beautiful. All right. That's really exciting. So, yes. Why don't we just hop into that right away? You have the merchandise and for and you've already explained where we can find this show. As for me, becoming a recent fan after we rekindled and checked out the great things you have to say about today's news and today's politics. But that's what I my initial impression. And I really enjoy it. It's David Bach is like a step up from cable news from whether you're a Chris Cuomo or a Don Lemon or a Chris Hayes or a Rachel Maddow, Tucker Carlson all those men and women 
talking about the news and talk about the world of politics. And I personally think David Bach takes it a step further. And I like his non-corporate opinion expressing the news. But yes, David Bach tells us how it is. But David Bach, tell us, the audience, what is Fresh Faces New Ideas as a whole? So um, the whole point of it was the to reach out to the, the group of people that aren't generally represented prior to this election, the largest um, group of Americans was non-voters. So the goal of Fresh Faces New Ideas is to break down what is currently going on in the news in a way that the average person can follow in a simple way. And I try, like I obviously everyone has biases. Um, I I had I have my biases. I have my uh, preferred candidates. I have all of that. I try to break it down as as evenly as possible. Um, if you go and you've looked at the channel, I you know make most recently. So we're shooting this the 16th. On the 15th, I did two videos. I usually do about a video or two a day. Fridays I do live streams. Um, the goal is ultimately to be a live streamer permanently uh, once I get a big enough you know following. So. The uh, the two videos I did recently were Ron Johnson's comments, just general comments on uh, the January 6th insurrection and then mm-hmm. all the stuff facing Chris Cuomo. So I'm not I yeah, have my bias, but I try to make it, you know, even to both sides about what I'm covering. So the, the goal is to reach as many people as possible with this simple um, a message breaking down. If you go to my channel, you can see I've covered um, H.R. one, H.R. five. H.R. 846. So for those who, who don't know the numbers based on that, H.R. 1 is the For the People Act that uh, covers voting rights. H.R. 5 is the, the George Floyd and Policing Act that covers um, criminal justice and the reform of policing. And H.R. 8 and H.R. 1446 are the, is the gun control and it's the Charleston loophole bill. So what I do is when I when I look to cover a bill, I go, what is the bill? And these things have a lot of, you know, text and stuff. So I try to find like the, the, all the bullet points. And then I say, okay, well, what's the arguments against the bill? And then usually that's, uh, you know, I'll go to Twitter and I'll find, you know, what are the Republicans saying about it? What are the Democrats saying about it? And then I'll try to find, you know, what is the, the counter to each argument? You know, what, is it a good argument? Is it a bad argument? And then usually I'll try to put in my own thoughts to it because um, I like to think of myself as a relatively rational person. <laughs> and uh, um, so if I see a bill and I say, OK, you know, uh, this is what it does. I think that makes sense or I don't think that makes sense. Um, I know there's parts of stuff that, you know, I'll miss and, you know, people feel free to comment on it. I've, I've gotten to a couple arguments with people, uh, one guy on Twitter, a couple guys on uh, YouTube have not liked my opinions, but, you know, it is what it is. You're not going to please everybody. Always important to defend it as well. I think it's important to have this conversation, especially with people who we disagree with, because we're some someone's going to be learning something at the end of the day, as long as you have patience for it and rational, don't you think? Yeah, that's that's also the other thing. So I'm. Uh, a lot of my arguments are very fact-driven. Um, I, I, I look at a lot of polling and I look at a lot of data to, to figure out where, you know, my arguments were. So um, a lot of how I got into politics was it was in two ways. So when 9-11 happened, I was like seven or eight. Yeah. Uh, so I and I used to listen to the news a lot, but I was very Republican. Um, I, I listened to like Sean Hannity and Mark Levin a lot. I actually, for my 11th or 12th birthday, my dad took me to the um, – uh, the Palisades Mall to get their yeah. book signed. So I have those. And then I right. kind of like dropped out of it in you know, middle school and stuff. And then in 2016, Donald Trump started running. 
And I went, this guy can't be real. Like this can't actually be happening. <laughs> the things that he's saying are just so absurd. And then as the, the campaign went on and I was like, well, you know, this seems like something to listen to. I just started following more sources and the more stuff I listened to, the more I enjoyed like following it and knowing what's going on. And it seems that is a common trend with people recently that the Trump administration, Donald Trump himself really started to have people gain interest in politics and trying to understand, you know, what exactly he did in his administration. It's funny you say that, like, I've always was aware of politics. Like the first time I really got into it was in high school specifically. Like I was very made aware of the Obama McCain election. Oh, wait. But the first presidential election 2012, just shy of voting, was the first time like I paid attention to debates. I actually looked at the candidates, uh, understanding how it was. It worked well because I was taking civics and understanding how the government actually works and where it comes together. That's really when. I started to have the smallest interest, obviously, as it grew, also was fascinated by the Trump administration. And I worked at I was an interest at during that time as well, that fall. And, you know, ever since me and especially who I used to do a podcast with that come time to time, Ryan Page does a tweet cap. He, I get very similar advice from you, very political minded. And after the Trump administration, he turned into a real political junkie as well. So it's funny how that comes together from Mr. Trump, huh? Well, I think it's it's a good thing. It's so so it's actually twofold. So here's my opinion on that. Um, I think it's good that more people are, are civically engaged because as mm-hmm. we uh, as we saw just from last year, the way that our government has functioned for the last like 20 plus years has been just just a disaster. Like we hit, got hit by almost every single possible um thing that could happen poorly yeah. to a country and we failed them right. on almost every single level. And so I think that having more people aware and engaged will allow us to hold our lawmakers to a to account for the things that are broken and try to fix them. The other side of that is we end we we ended up with this like fake news bubble where we we have a, mm-hmm. some portion of the country that's living in an alternate reality. And that ultimately encompassed itself in the January 6th insurrection. Um, so you have to weigh the good and the bad. And that's part of. Uh, what I was, what I hope for my channel is I try to give it in the, the the simplest, like most basic terms of what's currently happening. And this is, this is part of the problem with the general news as itself. And this was actually one of my friends was asking me to, um, to talk to her students about this was immediate literacy. Uh, you have to be aware of where the biases is for each of your sources. So like, if we look at the, the three major news networks are NBC, um, CNN and, and Fox News. Um, I don't know if you're going to agree with me, but here's what I say. We, you know, Fox Fox News is far right. Yep. Of the three, I think CNN is the most fair. Um, they, they were very early. They had a lot of the Trump people on. Um, they they did stop them because they would just, just lie and not make any statements. I do think they need more progressives on. Too often when right. they would have people debating, it was Anna Navarro who is debating, debating the, the Democratic side, she's not a Democrat. Um, <laughs> so I think, you know, having more people like uh, Anna Kasparian or um, Young Turks or Ryan Grimm is generally very good. Um, having those people on for CNN would help them more, but they're generally the most balanced. And MSNBC, although it's given a, um, a left-wing label, it's not actually left-wing. What they generally are is an establishment bias. 
Um, so the, the they were very anti-Trump, like they were the most yeah. anti-Trump station because uh, they had a lot of like old school Republicans on it, like Nicole Wallace and Katie Turner, like old school Republicans in it. But they also were very hostile to the progressive movement as well, as you saw, you know, with Chris Matthews right before he resigned because of all his uh, some of the things that he and Chuck Todd were saying about progressives. Right. So MSNBC is not left their establishment. So they love people like Claire McCaskill, like Joe Manchin, um, these, you know, these censure people like and they're and part of the problem with MSNBC is they got sucked into the uh, the Lincoln Project stuff. Right. And they were all just like, the, look, the Lincoln Project, the best thing that comes from it is it shows progressives how to fight. Like those are the ads you need to run. But they, they accomplished nothing else. All they did was, uh, you know, basically steal money from people. So, and what exactly we, we know the purpose from it, but what exactly is the Lincoln Project to somebody who doesn't know any idea what it is? Okay, so the Lincoln Project, what it started out as and what it became are separate things. So what it started out as was a whole bunch of uh, Republicans who they they didn't like Donald Trump. So they, they, they tried to encompass this, this never Trump Republican base in order to push them to the to being anti-Trump, whether it was if there was a primary against Donald Trump, it went absolutely nowhere. Mm-hmm. Um, or to to just, you know, counteract the, the either the Republicans who supported him or him himself. What ultimately ended up happening was they failed in both of those goals. Um, and I don't know if they, the, the second part was was entirely their fault with um, with what happened for the races where the they massively the Democrats massively underperformed in the Senate and in the House in 2020. But for them getting this this mythical anti-Trump vote, it just never showed up for Biden. Part of the problem also with the the Lincoln Project is who's in it. Um, One of the the main guys was an MSNBC host or guest who went to go help Howard Schultz, who was this the um, the CEO of Starbucks. Yeah, he was going to make a spoil run because a lot of what was happening was they were afraid Bernie was going to win. Mm-hmm. And they wanted they were, they were they were more comfortable with Trump's second term than they were with with uh, Bernie winning. So he went to do that. And then uh, later documents came out that, you know, they the the Lincoln Project was super corrupt with the, how they did their finances, mm-hmm. paying themselves. And one of their members was either had he had some type of sexual impropriety. I don't remember if it was sexual harassment or if it was um with with children, I don't remember exactly which one it was because Definitely I generally not a good thing it sounds. So that was my issue with that. Yes, I see. So it's almost was it almost like a big hedge fund, like a big media broadcasting hedge fund in a way, and trying to influence uh, was, more corporates to get to go for these candidates. Um, honestly, what it was is so I'm sure if you look up Lincoln Project, you're gonna see a whole bunch of rats. They they ran some really hard hitting gut punching ads. The problem mm-hmm. was they weren't they weren't swaying people. Oh, I see. Yeah. Uh, That's so, one of the things when uh you just bash people and so much you don't even give an option or why or a reason why. Well, no, you no, I think they they wasn't just they weren't just like basically a base baseless attack ads. I thought they were um relatively good. They you know they mm-hmm. did point things out. But there's a lot of polling that if you just go completely negative, it doesn't show that you get the people that you want. Um, that's one of the things. So when I listen to a, a wide variety of sources, one of them is Pod Save America, who I know they have yeah. a they have a bias because they're all former Obama staffers, and they've said that that they're um, they've done that. Uh, I actually found them on the Ringer when they were keeping it sixteen hundred. Mm-hmm. Um, so they did that, 
And they have a lot of polls where they do like change research polls about these type of ads. And they and one of the things that they found is, you know, if you just go super negative all the time, which, you know, it makes for really good sound bites. And it seems like it would be the type of thing people are actually turned off. Yeah. So that's one of the things the, the Lincoln Project had a problem with. They just had a whole bunch of problems. And a lot of it was it was um, the Trump era had a lot of like weird feel good stuff mm-hmm. where you would like create a moment of anti-Trumpness and it would make this little happiness bubble and people would love it. And then they would like throw money at it if you offered it. Otherwise it, it would like fade away. This is like the, um, I think it was uh, like 20, 2017, 2018-ish when Oprah gave some type of speech and there was like a like a month-long thing about, oh, is Oprah running for president? <laughs> do you remember that? Yes, I do remember that briefly. It, like, it, it, that early in 2016, I see. Yeah, it's like that type of feeling. So that's what they tapped into to get this type of money. You know, one of the things you you were mentioning about with sway, with having a sway and being able to persuade people on the way, whether you or a group thinks, you know, when it comes to media groups, you can even talk about this. You could somewhat compare it to sportscasters knowing who their favorite teams are. Do you feel it's better for a news organization to make it abundantly clear if they have some type of political stance, specifically in the cable news division? I think it it varies. So I think this is one of the things that Fox does. Fox Mm -hmm. has a delineation. Their morning shows, um, they have actual people who they consider reporters. And then the like the Tucker Carlson's, the Sean Hannity's, the Laura Ingram's, they're considered personalities and they do this for a couple yeah. reasons one of the reasons is they say a lot of really terrible things that's going to get them sued if they're reporters that's why they, mm-hmm. they did de- delineate for them so i think if you're going to create a delineation like that you should um you should delineate what you're doing but the problem is a lot of the news should just be here's what the facts are and that's what it is it shouldn't be um like a perfect example of why there's some bias is climate change so 98 percent of scientists say the climate change is real but the way it's presented as a 50 50 argument that maybe it's not real or not when it's really not so the the way that the news media has to do it is you know the republican party is the only party in the world that doesn't believe in climate change yeah and that's something that needs to be presented when they bring these points up or they need to be realistic with their polling and showing things so yeah a lot of those it's good to have a delineation but i think it's also part of on the person who's following that that uh, that that news network, or however you're getting your news, like whether it's it's TV or if you're getting it on the internet, or if you're getting it from uh, like the the newspaper, to understand where the biases are. And generally, the best way to do that is to follow the money. Right, and that's obviously been a trend, especially as more media conglomerates are created, especially the rise of social media that you are able to give various sources and various ways of people to report the news. And we've clearly seen and already mentioned before that has led to, even though that has led to various opportunities, it's also led to a lot of fake news. And talking about fake news, do you feel the main contributor to fake news is social media? As many people say it has been because of the opportunities it gives people to just be a reporter or a blogger. Yeah, so the... It does have that impact. Um, a lot of, of social media is designed to, you know, just whatever bubbles to the top and then it can segment itself. Um, so, yeah, social media itself has as a fake news issue. But that just comes from 
the the sites not following their own terms of service, especially for like Twitter and stuff. Mm-hmm. They weren't, or even Facebook. Facebook um, has made it clear that you can line your political ads and they're not going to fact check you. So part of the problem with that is if you're going to, the best way to deal with that is to treat them like news organizations. If you're going to, <laughs> to yeah, if you're going to act like you're going to disseminate news because the vast majority of Americans say they get their news from Facebook, you have to be, you, have, yeah, right. you should be treated as a news organization and have to follow those type of standards. Um, that would help solve. The problem with that is if they don't do that, then it's going to cause gatekeeping, which was going to force you back to the old sources. And those aren't always, you know, accurate sources either. So you have to balance that act. But really the problem with the internet is it's given um, stupid people a microphone. Oh yeah. And, um, and people are too willing to just get sucked into the, do it and then it spreads from there. Like the the other like a perfect point of that is uh 65% of people who get radicalized on Facebook happens because of Facebook's algorithm. So if you like end up following a couple of people who are, you know, QAnon or alt-right or whatever other Yeah, they'll be guys, like, hey, look at this guy or girl who or yeah, look at this organization. Exactly. Then you, you like get sucked down the rabbit hole. 99% match. And you know, another thing that people have said that have led to fake news that has led to premature stories is the ratings battle because it's people are reporting trying to report this and just whatever they can say whatever that clickbait people are doing it for the ratings how much do you think this could be a problem for an audience trying to get their news or again should it be like you mentioned know what you're getting into because these organizations are trying to get ratings at the end of the day i think it's it is well it is a problem. So the way you would do that is I, I guess the the solution that would be to don't just jump on a headline just because it's like a catchy headline because that's part of the point of the headline is to sink you in. To actually read yeah. the, whatever the article is, um, or if it's just like a Twitter like if it's just a, t- a Twitter thing, um, wait till there's actual information. Don't just immediately jump on it. Uh, I know it's it seems like cool to get outraged like right away on something. Um, but you, you you really should just look into and try to figure out what you're talking about. And especially when you have to look at the sources. Um, like I, we talk about this all the time. So a perfect example is this, is anytime you see Project Veritas, anything, they're lying. That, that's literally <laughs> what they are. They're, they're, their founder, James O'Keefe, has said, I have absolutely no problem with lying because I, I'm not here to, to prove – I'm not here to – to tell the truth, I'm here to win an argument. And he would just lie. Most yeah. recently they did the the Ilhan Omar stuff. They got removed from Twitter because they just kept can't constantly lying. Um, so if you you have to know where your sources are, and that's part of the problem with, with Americans is we just either don't have the attention span, we don't have the time, we don't have the energy to tell you know about it. <laughs> follow five different news sources. Okay, so what is Fox News saying? What is CNN saying? What is uh, you know, what, what is the Washington Post saying? What is Ryan Grimm saying? Like, it's that variation. Like, people don't have the time for that. And that's part of what I hope for, for my channel is to say, okay, well, here's the basic facts of what's happening. Um, my videos have gotten a little longer in the, than they started because I, I'm going more depth into what's going on. And then I'm giving a little bit more of, of my opinion. I try to keep the opinion part at the end. So usually um, when I do a video... It'll start, you know, me looking at the camera Then I'll go into picture in picture to show you what I'm looking at. And then I'll come back to me to, you know, wrap it up. Yeah, that's what I like about the way you present news and is that you are showing your legitimacy and credibility by going to easy, accessible 
mainstream news sources or go to the source itself and you prove what's right or wrong there. And then, as you said, you bring your opinion, which is one that I respect and value for sure. And I know lots of others. And, you know, speaking of also uh, one funny thing about people jumping to stories, even though this is, again, bringing it back to the sports. Do you remember two years ago when um, there was that famous, there is that famous Barry McCrockener, that famous Twitter troll, and he reported that CP3 demanded a trade and gave heart. And he, he said this is with CP3 was on the Rockets, and he said that they gave him a trade. And he's also said, like, I think the quote was someone said that, James Harden got man boobs and Skip Bayless and Anna Sharp actually reported it as a real story just shows how foolish they love from that. Well, that's that, but they're not really like Skip is not a, uh, they're not like real journalists. They're, they're, as they're you said, the personalities. Yeah. I mean, we could talk about Colin Coward all day. If we want to talk about people. Yeah, I haven't, stuff, I really, uh, a lot <laughs> of my, my, <laughs> my sports stuff. So I mean, you remember this is, I, I was very big into basketball. So most yeah. of my, Sports information comes from, you know, whatever ESPN articles I'll find. I'm actually very angry that they put the uh, the um, Zach Lowe's uh, 10 things I like and I don't like under behind a paywall. I love that. That was like really great oh stuff. Oh, my God. Can we talk about paywalls with journalism? journalism? Well, that, that just, comes from re- revenue stuff. Yeah, they it's just funny. Don't you think that's unfair to the journalist itself? Like, I want to get my report out there. I go and then, bam, you got to pay for something. I just found that as an interesting concept. I know what it, people have to do what they do to make money, but I just feel it's unfair to the journalist actually writing the article. No, it is. And I, I like Zach Lowe a lot. So I, I always look forward to those articles. So a lot of my oh, stuff yeah, he's just great. comes from, from uh, The Ringer is generally where I get most of my sports information. I generally like... When Bill Simmons has his stuff on YouTube, I, I generally watch it. Unless it's not like basketball related, then I don't care. <laughs> oh, so, oh, I love the rigor. Him, especially when he has Ryan Russell on. Great, funny, entertaining guys. Oh, man. And why don't we get into, you talk about the rigor with that content. Why don't we focus some more on Fresh Faces, new ideas? Talk to me. You talked about the, some of the motors. You hit on it a little, but walk me through the moment you decided, all right, I'm going to make the content I want to do this and I'm going to continue with it. Tell me about the conception of fresh faces, new ideas. Well, I was doing, I was like kicking around stuff um, for a while, like with doing politics, being more involved. Um, so how I, I started this is uh, over the past couple of years, since I, I graduated college, I've been bouncing around through different things. I, I briefly coached at a couple places. I did a public access show for a while mm-hmm. on basketball. I did it for, two, maybe three years. And then I Get found, out. and then uh, Parkland happened and there was a whole bunch of March for Our Lives. And then I went mm-hmm. to the one near me and there was this guy holding up a sign that called the uh, Center Love Radio. So I went to talk to him and he interviewed him. And then we, I followed up with that. And ultimately that's how I became the co-host for Center Left Radio. And then this was always something I was kicking around, uh, like doing, reaching out to, to doing stuff. And then, uh, my laptop finally died. I said, okay, well, now I'm going to get a new one and I'm going to make sure that I have the ability to reach out to this stuff because, and I honestly think I should have started like last year so I could have hopped onto the, all the, uh, the election year coverage for the hype bubble. And that mm-hmm. would have put me, you know, further ahead than I am currently. Um, but I, I think part of the thing is people want to just go back to not worry about politics and while that is good, you should not have to wake up every day in terror of what the president has tweeted. Mm-hmm. 
you should be aware of what the government is doing, because if you're not aware, then you're not going to vote and you're not going to push the ideas that you want, because there's always going to be somebody who's, who's you know, paying attention and wants the things that they want. And that's who the, the politicians are going to pay attention to. So um, right. I decided I wanted to give this a shot. Um, I thought YouTube was a good place to do it instead of Twitch. I thought the, the lane was a little bit bigger for at least where I kind of fall. Um, I would I think I I would fall probably closer. I fall to the left on the spectrum. So I don't think mm-hmm. there's like as big like solely YouTube uh, personalities there. Like you have the Young Turks, but they don't do the same type of stuff. You have yeah. you have Vosh, who I think is probably the biggest one. And then um, there've been like a couple other ones, but I, that's where I thought the lane was a little closer. I think there's a little bit more right-wing. Yeah. Um, your Ben Shapiro's and like that. Oh uh, yeah. So one of the things that I'll do is um, every so often when I'm finding on like a slower news day, or there's not really stories that um, I'm finding all the information about, I'll go to uh, Ben Shapiro's YouTube page and I'll watch one of his clips and say, okay, is this worth me talking about? So far there've been a couple, <laughs> um, I know Candace Owens is going to start her own show and I'll probably cover well, that's that. That's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I'm, I'm still waiting for a, another Prager U one that's worth covering because the last one that I thought was really like worth breaking down was their, uh, their pro slavery video. That was a pretty wild one. Oh man. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's no point. There's like certain things that I'm not going to touch on. So, um, a lot of people ask me, you know, are you going to cover, the uh, the Megan Merkel interview. I said no, and they're like, "Well, I, like, I don't really care. It's not like it's not ultimately relevant to American politics, and that's what the the goal is." It's funny uh, how they try to make it like that. Oh my god! I mean, it's just because they're famous. Yeah, that's, that's what it matters, and and fame pushes a lot of things in this country. And when you talk about the actual politics. Take not to stray too far. When we talk about the actual politics of the United Kingdom, it's more focused on the prime minister, you know, Boris Johnson and stuff like that. Right. They have no the the the, the monarchy has no real power. Exactly. They're just a face. Just the yeah. most popular face. That's what I always found was interesting. I mean, it is worth it is worth covering um, foreign policy, and I haven't done like right. a huge amount of that. Um, I have, you know, insinuated that there are certain policy things that we need to push on for for policy, uh, but that has mostly been tied to uh, the vaccine and and having mm-hmm. and you know being selective in how our rollout has been and not and the rest of the, the richer countries not you know sharing it with the, the the countries who can't afford the vaccine stuff. That's that's kind of been the limit of it. Mm-hmm. Um, also, Joe Biden hasn't really had too many like foreign policy based stuff. Like so far, because mostly what he's done is 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 COVID. So yeah, um, as things you know switch towards more of the Iran stuff, more of uh, North Korea stuff, more of uh, the Middle East. I, I re- the one I did today was on the border, so that's kind of foreign policy type stuff. Mm-hmm. As foreign policy becomes more in the news, then I'll shift toward that. But it's mostly you know I'm more aware of you know obviously american yeah all the domestic stuff and like that so like you said and one of the big motivations for your channel is to help influence and inspire people to vote especially when we have midterms next year and then again back in 2024 so for the big presidential for 2024 so you got a nice a nice amount of time to hopefully start that trend. And we really made a big push. I mean, you know better than me. It seemed that you couldn't see one ad, whether on your phone, whether on a streaming service, whether on TV, whether on a billboard that really told you 
how important it is to vote. Do you think that campaign was successful? Do you, I don't know the exact numbers, but did we have, did they have more of a, you mentioned that about a third of the country still didn't vote, but did we get enough strides to be satisfied from the previous election? Well, realistically, you should never be satisfied until you have whatever the entirety of the eligible population is right. can vote. Oh, of course. Um, but in terms of just sheer numbers, so in terms of sheer numbers, Donald Trump got 10 million more votes than he did last time. And he had he got the most votes of a sitting president of all time. He also got the second most votes of anybody in a presidential history. The person who got the most was Joe Biden. Joe Biden has the most electoral votes of anybody in history or the most um, popular votes in anyone in history. This is the largest turnout election ever, just on the sheer numbers of it. And granted, that's obviously going to change as population growth and stuff. But that was that's the goal. Now, the next step is keeping that type of engagement up for all the smaller, you know, the midterms and for the the down ballot races and uh, the other stuff. I I. If you're going to talk more about that stuff, I know I don't know if you've this lined up, but I know Jesse does a lot of that. Uh, mm-hmm. Just as Central Sorati does a lot of that uh, type of stuff. Yeah, I do see him campaign and stuff like that. Um, so the part of the thing is you have to keep the the people engaged, and you need to have candidates who are willing to you know get on the ground level and talk to people. And it's it's always good to have a grassroots movement, and especially it's more important now. And this is this is um, coming in the hopes that. They'll do something about the filibuster in order to patch HR1, but it's currently somewhere between 160 and 250 different bills being talked about or being pushed in order to limit voting. Um, Texas currently just wrapped up a, a massive review of their voter system, and they found 16 votes of people who didn't have a uh, correct address on their voter card. Um, there's 17 million people in Texas. It's literally less than one in a million. And they're going to try to stop voting. Just uh, for mass, that. These mass, massive voter suppression bills. Like the, some of the some of them are just like outright cruel. Like one of them in Georgia is, um, you know, you always see that these massive lines. And more oh, recently, yeah. we've talked about, you know, that certain communities are stuck waiting eight to 12 hours to vote. Uh, and they had a recount. Right. And. The, one of the rules is one of their laws is you, it's a felony to uh, to give people food or water on the line. Like why? What 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 does that have to do with, <laughs> with um, securing the 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 vote? Nothing. It's yeah, just, like the cruelty in making you not vote is the point. Oh, I mean they've said God. it over and over again. It, it shows, but as you mentioned, and what's important when you should look over the sources, just how generally messed up it is, and trying to sway um behind the scenes, you know. Despite all that and keeping that engagement momentum up, do we need more people of influence? Do you need people like LeBron and the NBA to make a to make a push for voting again? But, you know, also do it for these midterms and then the presidential election after that. Like, what can we do in the in between years to make sure that an engagement stays up? Well, obviously, having celebrities be a push for anything helps because they're the ones for good headlines. So yes, having LeBron do it generates headlines. The problem is then you're going to get some weird backlash headlines like lawyer Ingram, shut up and dribble type stuff. And then that, then it spirals out from what he does. Also, I mean, the NBA in itself has its own issues with, um, with like just freedom of speech and stuff with, with all with their, with their China stuff. So it is good to have celebrities do it. The problem with that is, is where the, um, 
the backlash to them reaching out for it. So it's it's also good to have act, the actual candidates, especially with social media, push for these type of things. So having more grassroots is always is always good. And this comes from you know the parties themselves is building the infrastructure on the ground. So part of the reason Stacey Abrams was is is so vaulted is because of the infrastructure she built in Georgia. Yeah. So if you have these type of infrastructures, and this is part of the problem under the Obama administration, they they kind of shut down all their 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 grassroots stuff and that's why they lost a thousand seats um mm. so you have to build up the the grassroots in order to keep up the bench in order to keep people engaged so once you have that it basically just generates itself and so you have to build up that's that's why i say it's the point it's important to have the the people who can actually have an influence like saying the celebrities push for these but you also need to do the the work on the ground oh yes i I totally see that. And now hopefully you can be part of this trend with your content. And as your con your following keeps growing and showing the importance and most important is getting that engagement up with your great wit, your articulation and just being the great David Bach. I don't see why not. You can't accomplish your goal doing your part to help get more supporters. And now that I'm, you have me as somebody who's a big fan Anytime I could plug to tell people to check you out, I will. I think you'll be able to create that goal for you and create a future. And before we switch to other things, Bach, what would you have to say for your future? And if there's anything else to add with fresh faces, new ideas, if you haven't already? Um, no, I mean, look, I I'm always looking for more engagement. If you you want to DM me something to that I've missed, or and this is what I say in some of my videos, like hey, especially my my gun control video, um, talking about HR eight and HR fourteen forty six. I was like, look, I don't have all the answers to everything. I just try to give you what I think are the right answers. And if people want to push back on it, they're more than welcome to. Um, and actually, I encourage that. If you or you don't agree with me, let me know. I just to reach out. The more engagement people do to reach out to me. And like I said before, you can find me Fresh Faces New Ideas on on YouTube or you can find me at Twitter at Faces Ideas. And that's where, you know, just reach out to me there. I'm still uh, working on the Twitter, getting that up stuff. I was tweeting a lot during the uh during the impeachment, I've I got to step up on that more too. But it's it's a lot of uh, you know making sure I know what the um, what the big topics of the day are, and then you know whatever the big big you know packages that are pushed. I mean, it was easy the last like month or so because it was all the COVID bills. So just talking about the ins and outs of that. Yeah. And then and now we're kind of in this like weird gray zone where there's a whole lot of things that Don, that uh, Joe Biden has to 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 deal with, but it's not clear what he's going to go for first and, and how, and what the next fight is. I mean, the, the, the logical next fight is, is HR one, which is the voting rights act and the filibuster. That would be my logical next fight, but I don't know if he's going to do some type of infrastructure bill or he's going to um, focus more on the border. I, so I, I just don't know. I see. I see, you know, also highlighting on those first days for Biden and what are we about? We're just uh, under two months in. So, around 55 days or I guess 56 around there's his first 56 days. And, you know, obviously everyone talked about the COVID release bill. It is passed. We've seen the memes, uh, mean people reaction. We've seen people give um, actual opinions on it. Bach, how do you feel uh, Biden has done so far 
getting his big one of his big pushes in the campaign is to get this COVID relief bill done. And we're seeing more of effect. I could talk about with my state of Connecticut. Uh, we have at this moment that the age um, for the age of eligibility anyone under 44 years old could get your vaccine in three weeks from today or well, three weeks from Monday, April 5th. So that's what I see. It seems that it's, I've seen also unemployment insurance getting extended that we've also seen some funny thing. Well, I don't know. Funny is the right word, but some surprising things like the end of daylight savings time and um, being offered and stuff like that. Yeah. The, the end of daylight savings time is always like a weird thing that people push. So I've, I've covered the, the, there's a lot of videos I've done about the, um, the COVID bill. Uh, I look. We know the difference between having the two Georgia senators and and having control of the the Senate is about one point three trillion dollars because that was the, the difference between the the Republican plan and the plan he passed. Mm-hmm. Um, he said he was going to pass a one point nine trillion dollars. The bill was one point nine trillion dollars, so that was good that they didn't try to compromise a lower number in order to get Republicans. Um, right. There are some good things in it. The the child tax credit is a really good bonus. The getting the um, the, the extra aid to, for vaccines for states and stuff is a really good bonus. The $1,400, even if it was the full 2000 like you said, would not be enough because a lot of countries were doing monthly payments throughout the pandemic. And this is part of the problem with how our economy crashed is because we did the, the worst part of both things. We both did not lock down hard enough and long enough to eradicate the virus. And we also did not support the people well enough who are, who are locked down. So that's how we ended up in this weird, like mixed area where people couldn't do anything. So yeah. yes, there's, there's good things in it. The problem was he didn't put enough pressure on people like Joe Manchin because there's no part of the bill that Joe Manchin put his fingertips on that was not made objectively worse. Most notably is $15 minimum wage. Um, I, and we, we know, I can, I'll get into that in a second, but the other one is the unemployment aid. So originally it was supposed to be four hundred dollars uh, extra unemployment, and that was they were arguing about when they were going to end it. But then Joe Manchin said that he would um, he would vote for the the Rob Portman one, which would say it ended in July. Ultimately, what they got him back to is it'll be three hundred dollars through September. And the reason yep. they did that is because there's a um, the they're away in August. So instead of it falling off a cliff like it did last year, where there was like a month long. Sp- uh, time where they they had no bill and the people weren't getting any help. This will last through the the uh, Congress not being there. So they'll people will still get aid even though Congress isn't there, and then they can re up it if they need to in September. But like the hundred dollars for each week is just not like their argument for it is dumb. It's you know it's like oh well, what if people aren't going to want to go back to work? But the problem is there's no work. We're, yeah. we're hitting like 800k unemployment numbers every week. We basically for the past year. Um, it is so kind of ridiculous. Is- and and you did, we all know that that's not substantial way to live that extra hundred, three hundred dollars, depending on. Right. Your- and the, the, the parts of that is it doesn't make sense. So if your argument is they're not making enough, they're making too much on unemployment plus something else. So originally unemployment is half your wages plus whatever it is. So yep. it was plus 300. And that's more than what you're making. That means your general wage is so low that just a tiny amount of help would make you break that. So the obvious answer to that would be to raise the minimum wage. The problem is we we saw what happened when Bernie introduced it. So 
let's let's clear up some things very quickly. The parliamentarian ruling is not technically a ruling. It's a suggestion. The parliamentarian can and has been overruled and removed in the past. All they had to do was have Kamala Harris decide that she wanted to overrule the parliamentarian and they would have put $15 minimum wage in the bill. Um, so then when Bernie brought his 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 amendment to put $15 in, we got the eight senators who went against it. So the obvious ones were um, Manchin and Cinema. Cinema, I honestly cannot go, I cannot tell you what was going through her mind when she voted that way. <laughs> it was, I she's probably gonna lose her seat because of it. Um, it it was unbelievable. But uh, so for those who don't know, she came out with this little like curtsy thumbs down. Um, being from Arizona, it's reminiscent of the, the John McCain thumbs down, except for John McCain saves 20 million people insurance. How many people are on Obamacare? Something like that. And Kristen Sinema stopped 32 million people from not having desperate uh, starvation wages. So the other thing is when the anyone who asked these specific senators who voted against the $15 minimum wage, they have to say, well, how do you plan to get it? Because um, exactly. Senator Hassan said she was going she wanted it in a different bill. And then the follow-up question is, well, how do you expect to get it without removing the filibuster? So there's a lot of stuff involved in this. And I have a couple of filibuster videos, but it's always worth mentioning. This was the easiest thing Joe Biden will pass. Everything else from this is going to be a larger fight. Yeah. You're it's you're helping so many people for the better. And that's the added joke about, oh, do Republicans really care about us? And if you when you see them all every single one of them say no, well, Evidence shows that <laughs> they don't. Well, we'll see. We'll we'll see how it affects them in the midterms. I think it's right. worth mentioning um, every single time that they're talking about you know aid. You talk about how the Republicans refuse to give it to you, and I think this is this is the perfect p- pushback to the Republicans' argument of defund the police. Only one party has voted against giving aid to states in order to keep their their uh, their employees working. The employees of the state are considered cops. So only one party technically voted to divide the police, and that was the Republican Party. It's a simple, it's a simple argument. Man, uh really makes your head spin, Bach, doesn't it? It's very infuriating sometimes. <laughs> Can I ask just one last thing? So two things. Uh I'm just curious on your opinion. You know, you mentioned I mean, this isn't foreign policy or foreign relations, but Biden ordered an airstrike against Syria. And that really upset a lot of people, mainly because they didn't get their stimulus yet. And the COVID reveal wasn't passed yet. But yet he still decided to do this. Just curious. What did you think about that? Do you think it was needed? Do you think people were just being impatient? And um, yeah, what do you think? So there's there's a little bit more to it than you know the fact that whatever bombs he dropped will cost infinitely more than the, you know the two thousand dollars stimulus checks. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think it's more of the reasoning behind it and the fact that we're trying to like pull out of the Middle East and we don't really need to be there in the same way. Um, so I personally haven't followed that specific airstrike. I know he called off a different one. Mm-hmm. Uh, my if my recollection recollection is correct, it was bombing a. A, a target because a uh, a regime backed group attacked a military base. My understanding is what I remember. I don't. I don't think. I don't know if that's totally correct. But I'm I, not too familiar with it myself. But um, I could quickly look into it. But I think the the, the thing was, you know, more that there was um, 
a whole bunch of it's just it's expensive. Like the military, is just, they just came out with an argument with a statement that they spent like one point three trillion dollars on uh, test pilots or on uh, planes that just didn't work. So it's it's a lot of uh, and it's yeah. actually conference. And so you found it. Yeah, according to this from the BBC, the tar- um, article titled "Biden Takes First Military Strike Action with Syria." strike on Iranian backed militants. The Pentecost strikes destroyed multiple facilities. Ah, excuse me. The U.S. carried out an airstrike targeting Iran backed militants in Syria or sorry, Iran backed militias in Syria. The first military action undertaken by the Biden administration. The Pentecost said the strike destroyed multiple facilities and was ordered in response to attacks against U.S. and coalition personnel in Iraq. Yeah. So, I mean, look, it's a, a lot of that stuff is a tangled mess and we need to, you know, figure out how to get out from it. Right. But I, I don't have specific answers for that one. There's there's other stuff that I'll have to push it for uh, when it gets closer to that. For sure. Yeah. I think at, at the end of the day, people were just and it comes to like all the meme response that people just wanted right. fairly. They just wanted their money, which they desperately need. Well, and, who was it that was it? Was it CNN or MSNBC who interviewed that that ice fisher guy whose response was those bombs look awfully expensive for somebody who owes me two grand? <laughs> uh, good question. I, I'm I'm gonna look that up too. Ice fisher, uh, Syrian. So it looks like. <laughs> oh man, I can't find it, but I gotta. That does sound like a hilarious comment. Yeah, that was a. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. But hey, the the bills passed now, and uh, people should be getting their checks and hopefully use it, spend it rightly, very soon. And yeah, so transition into other things, Bach. Oh, sorry, one last thing about Biden, and um, then we can transition. One of the big thing, one thing that directly affects me and a lot of people our age, is student loan debt, and one of the. Big campaign points that Biden came into this, especially towards the end, was canceling federal student loan debt specifically. Now, we know it's extended till September as well, but a lot of people are not too pleased that that either wasn't a part of the COVID bill or that Biden hasn't directly uh, made a comment towards it to make federal student student federal, federal student loan debt canceled outright. One, and I know the criticisms about doing that and how that affects the economy, but also you're helping so many people take that huge financial burden that's causing uh, things, long-term issues, especially financially, whether credit scores getting affected or stuff like that. What do you think about this, Bach? And do you think Biden ever will ever address it? Or was this just a way for him to get votes? So the the criticism about the, the economy stuff don't make sense because most Almost all research shows that it'll be like a massive influx into the economy. It'll it'll just bring a whole like new cash revenue to the economy because all these people are going to be able to spend things that they could previously. This will be what the basically what the, the Republican argument for every tax cut is will actually happen if you uh, forgive student debt. So um, this it's also very similar to to, to health care as well uh, for that right. argument. So. Currently, by there, there's a whole bunch of arguments. I know Bernie and Elizabeth Warren both said that they were going to remove all student debt, 
And then I think Warren went down to $50,000 of student debt. So where Biden has come down to is he says, I'm going to remove $10,000 of student debt. And then I'm going to have my AG and the Department of Education look into whether I can do more. Now, the, that was held up for a couple of reasons. One, because Merrick Garland just got um, confirmed last week because the Senate was in Republican control for the first month of the Joe Biden administration because they hadn't agreed to a power, share, a power sharing deal. So yep. reverted to the old one. So even though the senator, the Republicans were in the minority, they still had controls of the committee. And because the Republicans just love to screw over Merrick Garland, Lindsey Graham's like, no, I'm not going to give him a hearing again. Um, so Joe Biden's argument is that somewhere between ten and $50,000, it's it becomes unconstitutional for him to forgive it. Which I don't. Mm. It doesn't sound like it makes sense on its face. Um, yeah. What is what is so wrong about? I, well, it doesn't make sense. Like where yeah. I don't know where the, the legislative cutoff for that is. That's yeah. That's like what 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 amendment would exactly be broken in this? Uh, right. Situation. That's that's so the the argument. My understanding for you know for giving more student debt, at least from uh, progressives like uh, Pramila Jalapal and um, people like that, is because he already has the power to freeze it. He has the power to forgive it as well. Yeah. So I'm figure. all for forgiving student debt. I'm, I'm, oh. you know, I'm, I personally believe in a larger government, and I think it, it because the design is to help people, and the argument is, oh well, the government doesn't work, but that's because one party's goal has been to break it. Um, so I think he can forgive it. I don't know what he's going to do. I have to tell you, I don't know a lot of how things are going to show from the the Biden administration because. He's been like weirdly um, – He his goal has been to be like an FDR. That's what he, he said he would be. He's like a, yeah, an FDR I type. think he even literally said that this is going to be our new deal. Yeah. I mean mm-hmm. if he had put the $15 minimum wage into the COVID bill, it would have been like a light new deal. Um, so my hope is he does forgive some set of student debt. Uh, I think a lot of what's going to happen under Joe Biden is going to be a transition to a more progressive president. And I think uh, so we'll get things like we're so we're starting with the, the tax credit. We'll cut um, child poverty, but it's something that runs out before the election. So it's something that people are going to see that affects their lives positively and they're going to push for more of that stuff. I think if there's ten thousand dollars of student debt forgiveness and they actually see a bump in the economy just from that, they'll be pushing to do more. I think if we get um, a public option and they don't allow it to be um like sinkhole, so it 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 like kills itself. Then I think we can push for a nationalized healthcare system. So I think a lot of the things from Joe Biden are going to be transitional. He w- he could be a very progressive candidate. Um, would I have preferred Bernie? Yes, because I think Bernie would have pushed for the policies I want right now. But I think Joe Biden is better is the better option of laying the table. Now all of these things are moot if they don't deal with the filibuster and they don't deal with the voter suppression and they lose the House or the Senate in 2022. So he has to start like putting some pressure on some of these people in order to get whatever agenda he can with now. Well, because look, his his approval rating now is what, like 60, 62%, something like yes, that? Yes, at this moment around. Um, I mean, he's, see that whatever he's pushing is going to be popular by a majority of the American people. Yeah. He has the the goodwill. And I think now is the point too, when you you really push the the like the real things that matter. You push for the the voting rights, you push for um 
you know, political reform. You push for the Equality Act. I mean, the, the, the Equality Act, I think, is just just a brain is is a, is a no brainer slam dunk. Yeah. Listen, Bach, you won't get any complaints from me. And I understand my student loan debt was something I decided, but I wish we could have more relief and help there with the situation we're in with COVID. And I know I could talk all day with that, but any way to help relieve that debt or at least make some legit strides. I mean, the private student loans are just a problem. Like sometimes with these loan providers, it's almost like they don't care how you get the money in a pandemic. I remember I literally said, what do you, do you want me to, I, how, what I wanted to say, what do you want me to like be a hitman or do you want me to be, to be a drug dealer? What, you know, they say all oh, those call, our calls are monitored for, you know, quality assurance purposes. So I couldn't say that, but I said like, what lawfully you're asking for, you know, four figures of cash in a pandemic where I'm unemployed, like, what do you else do you want me to do? And I know, I mean, well, the easy thing is just to create the, uh, forbearance until I'm not employed anymore, but it's just a big loophole of frustration and stress that, you know, I'll take any way to get that help. And then when we talk about healthcare, you don't want, we've seen so many people who are afraid to get checkups because they have no health insurance, where if they get in an accident, before they care about anything, they think about how much this is going to cost. And now I've tried, I've enrolled in health insurance for the first time as I became eligible. And um, it's just, so you, you know, uh, no, I'm actually, because I was unemployed, I was still able to qualify for, for kinetic cares. So um, that's where I'm going to be covered by for the next, well, what? Well, yeah. For the next eight months until December. And uh, that's just a whole new world and all an all new expense, but it's just, it's, it's been, it's been a time. And those are things I'm passionate about that I hope our government can help. Yeah. So those obstacles. Um, let me, let me tell you something very quick before, you know, I know you want to switch topics, but uh, my, my representative was Nita Lowy uh, for the entirety of my life prior to this election. Um, mm-hmm. And then there was like 15 candidates running. So when I would look at them, I only looked for my, I looked for two things in particular. One, are you taking corporate PAC money? And two, do you yep. support Medicare for all? And there was only one candidate who fell in that that uh, category, and that was the guy who won. And so I'm very happy that Mondaire Jones is actually my representative. Look at that. Uh, I've, I've met him a couple of times. He's a really nice guy. Um, I did actually my last live stream, I, I made a point because C-SPAN has mixed him and Jamal Bowman up, <laughs> uh, which is is ridiculous. But it's it's funny. So they're, they're both these two black guys from York and they're they're in separate districts, like one's at 16, one's at 17. But they're not the same people like Jamal Bowman beat Elliot Angle and Mondaire Jones is the first openly gay black man to be in Congress. <laughs> wow, that's you'd think that you'd think it's such a stereotypical way to get those things confused. It's like, why? It's is it really that hard. Yeah, but hopefully well, I'm glad to hear we can make we can have legit representatives fight for what we ask for and do their job that way. So why don't we sway away from politics and focus on the National Basketball Association? Bach, you're a big NBA fan. First things first, so my audience knows who is your team if you have one? I'm a Spurs fan. Spurs fan, that's right. So Tim Duncan's my favorite player. San Antonio Spurs fan and grew up in Westchester. I love it. But I'm sorry, you're about to say something else? Yeah, it's been a it's been a weird year. 
last year was the first time basically in almost my entire lifetime that the Spurs missed the, the playoffs. Yeah, uh, the first, completely uh, missed it, man. I was kind of hoping that we would be worse than we were this year. Uh, we got a weird team. We we need we really need a big. I saw that out there letting go of LaMarcus Aldridge. Well, they're going to try to trade him. Uh, well, yes, I don't know trade where. Him. I think I think Miami is the most likely destination. They could use um, that I with think... another big veteran presence next to Bam. That's the only thing that Heat team is extremely young. Even though they made the, they won the East last year, um, I'm sure that extra veteran presence can help them. Yeah, and then the other thing with this this Spurs team is, like, we have so many wings, and like I really like Devin Vassell, who is our rookie. Um, I was hoping we would get the the Israeli kid uh, Denny. Mm-hmm. I, um, I actually realistically my number one was. I saw us taking Patrick Williams, but obviously the Bulls took him at four. And mm-hmm. then Denny started falling, and I was like, oh, maybe we could get him. Um, but then we, we ended up with Devin Vassell, who I'm very impressed with. I think I think ultimately we might end up training Lonnie because I think he's the one who uh, who doesn't fit. I don't know where he's going to go, but we have, you know, we have um, Derek and uh, DeJounte Murray are the, are the backcourt of the future. Um, and then we got... Kelda Johnson, who I don't know what to make of Kelda Johnson. I know they played him at power forward uh, against the Pistons. I think he's best coming off the bench um, or like at a, at the three because he's he's not he's not like big, so he's like six five, so he doesn't really have like the length to be like a wing, and he's not he's clearly not big enough to be a four. Um, so that's where there there's the hope for Luca, but I think Lonnie's the one who gets traded because he, he kind of doesn't really fit. And who do you think with what's available could take that spot? So, Cause te- right now the, they are right in the hunt. So yeah, right they're now like- they're seventh in the West. So they would actually qualify for the play in tournament. Yeah. So you really don't want to, when you're right there, you don't want to, you know, that's the one thing that was found interesting letting uh, trading LaMarcus. But do you think there is a good chance to make that run? If, especially if you get a replacement player for Lonnie, like you said, well, I don't think they're going to trade Lonnie now. I think it's a down the road thing because he's still okay. on his rookie contract and they're still in this like weird semi-competitive um, thing. My real hope was they had traded, was they trade DeMar, had to, traded DeMar and LaMarcus during the off season so that they could come in here and, and be bad because this draft class is, is bonkers. So, I oh, mean, if we ended the up one with upcoming like, with like yeah. Kate Cunningham and um, Katie and stuff. Yeah, if we ended up with like Evan Mobley, that would be ch- game changing. Um, <laughs> But I don't, I don't see that happening. So we're probably going to be too good to get, you know, the the top five guys. Um, I I think the, uh, the the Texas kid is that they got that good center. Um, I haven't followed like a huge amount of of college. Although speaking of college, yes, um, because I did not see, I didn't watch Selection Sunday. I did see Hartford made it. Hartford made it. They are playing. They won the American East on Saturday, beat UMass Lowell, and they're going to play the second best team in the nation, Baylor, as a 16 seed, and they're a one. So this and, is so. Um, just just to go briefly, uh, my Hartford basketball, like the top memories I have, was my freshman year. We had the tournament at Hartford. The, um, the actual the- NCAA tournament? No, no, no. The our conference tournament. Oh, American East. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um. So we. We made it to the second round and we went to double overtime against Vermont and we we lost that game because we we had him in, in overtime but we gave up a dunk 
Like the guy caught it on the block, looked around, pivoted, looked around again, and then dunked it. And that then, a game uh, winning. You don't see a lot of those. No, that was to send it in second overtime that we oh, lost. That's still that's still crazy. Um, and then the year after Louisville won the title, that then got removed. We mm-hmm. played Louisville and Florida Do- Go- Gulf Coast that year, and that I was remember. where uh, Florida Gulf Coast was uh, Dunk City, and we lost both those games by like forty. Yeah, they and they did not put played, a fight. We played uh, the Purdue when they had Chris Dunn. Mm-hmm. And then the the most recent memory was we lost by 30 to Zion's Duke on national television. Oh, years. yeah. Didn't <laughs> even put a fight. Oh, man. Well, no, they were, they were close I mean, to the second half. Exactly. But, I, I should say, you know, of course, that's the very best Hartford player may not even make the Duke team. He could possibly be a walk-on. Like, that's I have just, no idea who's on our team this year. I, I just – because I we, get, we get no attention. <laughs> yeah, but now we do, and now we're going to play the second-best team in the nation who's so proficient. Baylor's really proficient on the offensive defense, and, yeah, they're, they're going to be <laughs> – They're going to kill us. I mean, <laughs> unless we have there's some no miracle. UNLV, there's no uh, UNBC. Loyola, Chicago, was that the one who upset uh, – Virginia yeah. a couple years ago. Yeah, uh, it was UNBC, University of Maryland, Baltimore County, and they killed him too. But I don't think that's going to be the case. And I actually watched the the Hartford American East Championship, but we cannot score for shit. We only scored like forty points, like around that in the for a college game. That's bad. And Baylor averages like eighty four in college. Okay. So, hey, they made the they made the tournament. So that's a, that's a step up. Oh yes, for sure. You know, back to your Spurs. How much longer do you think Greg Popovich is is holding on? And looks like we're definitely either going to get a Becky Hammond um, uh, replacement here and make her the fishy, the first woman's coach. And we saw Greg, we saw Pop get ejected uh, a few months ago and she hopped in there. How much longer do you think Pop is in it? Um, I think he hangs around till, I don't know what how many, how many years are left on his contract, but I think he he's next up to coach the, the USA team for the Olympics. And yeah. He makes it through that. And then I think he's probably going to hang it up a couple of years after that, like a year or two, whenever his contract ends. Cause I think he wants to build the bridge to the next era. Yeah. You think, think Becky Hammond is going to be leading that as we said, I, she's yeah, already I, so that she's last already coached year we had Tibby on the bench. Yep. Um, and then yeah, where did he, he go by the way? I saw, I looked, I just quickly look, he's not a coach anymore. Yeah. He just left. He just went back to do whatever else he wanted to do. Um, <laughs> All right then. <laughs> uh, I didn't know so, that. Wow. I think I, it's probably going to be Becky Hammond, because uh, because every other every other assistant keeps getting hired. Yeah, uh, right. And she's they, been they there current. forever, a long time. She's earned yeah, it. She's I, her I spot. She went up it. the ranks, and she's very uh, fun. She's very animated to watch. Yeah, she's really cool. And like she said, she she knows what she's doing. She's put the work in. So, yeah, I think she's going to be the next one. Um, I don't know. I don't know when Pop's going to give it up. I thought. I really thought this would be last year would be the last year because his his wife just died. So we ended yeah, it was like a right. hard. So I think after he coaches the the Olympic team, I think he's probably gonna be done. Yeah, and hell of a career, both in the office and on the court. And it, you know, speaking as a Spurs fan, Buck, does it grind your gears that historically, even though the Spurs were so dominant in the two thousands and the early twenty tens and one to ninety nine? It feels as a whole they're not as revered as a dynasty compared to like the Warriors or, you know, their battles with the Heat or the Lakers, you know, Shaq well, and Kobe so, and then Kobe yes, and Powell. We're not considered as a, a dynasty. As a and whole, then, but yet you have what, five rigs? Five rigs. Yeah. So 
how co- how from your perspective do you feel like not getting the love historically? Well, obviously we don't get the love. Um, I don't think any of the Spurs really get the love. I mean, Tim Duncan is universally recognized as the greatest power forward, but yep. I would go further than that and say he was the best player of his generation. Um, over, I, think I would take Tim Duncan. Make a fair. I think you could make a fair argument there. I mean, right uh, off the bat, leaving Wake Forest to get in the ring, the Twin Towers with David Robinson. He, it's, it's. So I think the dynasty label is is fair not to give to them because the, uh, a dynasty kind of implies that you win multiple titles back to back, and we never had that back to back. So, um, we the the Lakers beat us on the Fisher three, and then we we lost <laughs> on the Ray Allen travel. And then we came back the next year. We won. Um, so I mean, we had we had the the chances to be a dynasty. The the after the 05 title, Manu fouled Dirk for the three, and that's why we lost that series. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, we never won the dynasty. There was, although we did do a good job of ending a whole bunch of dynasties. Uh, we we did mm-hmm. it to the Heat. Yeah, we we would have done it to the Warriors. Um, when Kawhi got hurt, we were going to win that series with when KD. Mm-hmm. If Kawhi got hurt, the Spurs would have won that title. Um, and then and then Kawhi left, so so then they beat the Warriors the next year, or uh, two years ago. So I count that as a Spurs winning, ending another title, uh, <laughs> ending another dynasty. Um, so yeah, Kawhi broke three dynasties. Um, although if Kawhi came back, I would still welcome him back with only arms. Him and Danny Green, although Danny Green is unbelievably frustrating because like every other year he can't shoot. Right. Yeah. And he just happens to be in the right place at the right time. Winning with Toronto. Winning with well, the, the, the 2013 title. If we had won that title, he would have been uh finals. Up. Yeah. I think so. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there's, there's we, always we, that tough really block that Bosch had on him and got game six. Must be tough. Well, that and then the reality travel. But, you know, other than that. <laughs> yeah. So you say it's a travel, huh? Getting yeah, that, you know, you know, the uh, as we saw LeBron shoots Bosch, then him and. It was fun for me not having a dog in the fight, but I understand your frustration there. Yeah, it's it's been a weird couple of years, and then we keep matching up. We kept matching up with the Warriors like without Kawhi, and we didn't. We don't have like a wing. Like at this point, our best wing defender is probably like Devin Vassell would mm-hmm. be like the only one who would like be close to matching up with KD. Otherwise, Danny Green, Dejounte Murray are like six five each. KD's <laughs> what seven feet tall. Yeah. Right. I would say on that court. So having all said that, Bach, you know, I'm a big Knicks fan. It's been such an exciting time. We played our, I don't know if you happened to see last night's game against the Nets, just played our heart out, played our heart out. And even on paper, we're supposed to get our ass kicked. We still held it in there. Finally having Coach Thibs really changing things up. I'm just curious as being a big NBA fan. Do you think the Knicks have a legitimate future? Do you think we're building something? Maybe even get our first playoff spot in since 2013 in eight years? Do you think the Knicks have a legit future? Do they have a legit future? Yes. What it is, I have no idea. Because the fact that Julius Randle is doing what he's doing is just yeah. – like absurd he's like what like nobody ever saw this coming so no they in didn't theory, if julius randall can maintain this level of production rj is going to get better at some point richard robinson will get healthy and stop valley the crap out of everybody um, that's the big one we need, need him back but normally noel has been holding his own no it's been good but i mean richard robinson is like he wasn't he he was he was an all rookie last year it, since coming into the league doesn't he lead the league in block three pointers yes 
Yeah. So, I mean, he's a menace defensively, and he, he broke Will Chamberlain's record for uh, for field goal percentage. Granted, everything he does is within an inch of the rim. <laughs> <laughs> he's extremely aggressive. How about Emmanuel quickly, too? No yeah, one that saw was, that, that coming. That was a big one. I thought they screwed up on that pick. I, th- I still even think they screwed up with Obi. Um, yeah, dude. It, it's not been good. Thibs hasn't given them the minutes for him for William the minutes for a reason. And- no, for a reason. I support and he... I mean, reckon he represented us in the dunk contest, but so far I didn't even watch like any of the All Stars. <laughs> but I understand. But it seems that, like you said, he. I don't. Is it too early to say he's a bust already? No, I think it's not too early to say he's a bust. I think if you look at who else was on the board, uh, whether the way they take him eight, so they yep. could have had Denny, they could have had uh, Tyler Halliburton. <laughs> that would have been. A, they could have had Halliburton. That would have been a big change. Oh, a- I mean, they got quickly. That was good. Uh, yeah, that came in over a second round pick. I mean, that's we've not been doing well in the draft. Kevin Knox, bus, as we say, Kobe, but I mean, well, quickly, man. Shout yeah, yeah. so I think actually, he'll probably he got his starting. first start. Yeah, he got his first start yesterday. I think the problem is you have too many weird guards, like you have too many ball dominant guards, and in reality, you need somebody like Quigley who can play off the ball so RJ can handle the ball more. When definitely, um, so that's like the Derrick Rose trade makes sense because of who your coach is. And that's why he brought uh, top uh, Tosh Gibson back. But on paper, you really need uh, more off-ball shooting for, right. to let RJ handle because that was that was the big um, that was the the big thing about him coming out of college was he he was like that wing who you could kind of like run your offense through. Like he yeah. he's he's in a weird spot in comparison to the other two guys taking ahead of him because their offenses are built around them. Jaw Jaw is obviously a point guard, oh. and the Pelicans obviously have turned it into point Zion. Um, just so, one pick away, but yet I'm, I'm not sad. I'm not upset with RJ now. At first, if you told me last year, I thought, man, we fucked up another draft pick. But he's really pulled his own this year, especially. Yeah, he's done. A, he's getting. I think they're they're doing him a disservice by not letting him play more point. But he's definitely improved. Um, it's going to be interesting. They wasted a lot of picks. Although to be fair, it does seem that nobody won the Porzingis trade. Yes, that's what's crazy. Like. When we traded him, I was fine because he did not seem like he wanted to be here. He's being a jerk. He was overrated. Yet, yeah, I thanks, Phil Jackson. And that was the, that, to be fair, that was the best pick he had. Yeah, at one point, and between him and Frank Nealino, but he did play some good defense last night. But he keeps foul. He fouled himself out. But yeah, KP would accept that little stretch in like seventeen, eighteen for like twenty games before he tore his ACL. It's like okay, maybe it is legit, but nope. And so you got what you got a pick and then some players and Dennis Smith. Did the pick has the pick come over yet? The compensatory pick comes next season, I believe. Next season, okay. Well, Let me just double be- check on that. Or that was the quickly pick. Part of me actually thinks it was that. Do you mind if I check that trade really? No, I, don't quick? Care. I don't care. So Dennis Smith ultimately turned into Derek Rose, yeah. And we tra- exactly we traded him through uh to Detroit, yeah. So look. The fact that Porzingis can't stay healthy because his legs are apparently made out of paper mache. It's tough to watch. You get nervous. <laughs> is is like wild, um, which is it, unfortunate for the Mavs because they really lost out. I think the biggest hit to them was Giannis not going there. I think if Giannis ultimately had a choice, like he could have picked anyone in the league to play with. I think he should have picked Dallas or Toronto. Oh, man. That would, if he went hey, to man. Dallas, especially. Why don't we talk? One of the things. Why don't we talk about Luca? He seemed to really um, 
he seemed to really, I mean, he's still playing all-star level, but seems like we watch games where he's almost out of it. It gets outplayed. Do you think there's any accuracy to that or no? I think at the beginning of the season, it was fat. Yeah. Um, I think this happened to a lot of players. Um, they weren't ready for how fast the season started. Yeah. So they, you did not have a lot of time. Right. So, um, I think that's why a bunch of the like worst teams uh, did pretty well to begin with because they kept their continuity going. Um, and so like some of the older teams had to rest a little bit more and they weren't ready for the start of the season. But I think the, the biggest issue was he was fat and he doesn't really have like a supporting cast that can really help him. Like Josh Richardson on paper is better than Josh Richardson, the player. <laughs> right. And uh, their their first picks their picks haven't panned out although they were really good Josh Green and uh, Tyrell Terry were really good picks for them I can't believe Terry fell through the second round uh, but you know they're gonna come out they have a really good coach uh, so they'll, they'll be fine Luca's just so so good anyway I think his mm-hmm. issue was he was fat and he couldn't hit threes yes yes I hear that by the way for the picks it was. Including those picks, we had DeAndre Jordan down with Brooklyn, Dennis Smith Jr. They also traded Tim Hardaway Jr. there. But yes, the Knicks gave a first unprotected uh, 2021 pick. I think so. It looks like that pick was for quick, if I'm reading it correctly. And then a top 10 protected pick in 2023. Okay. I Well, so hey, if it was KP for quick and if quick's um, holding it down, look at that. That I could be the one win. so that's 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 wild (laughs) it's finally things are changing the world's a better place when the knicks are good well i mean new york or competitive so so, uh just just the fact that new york's both teams are competitive i mean i was at so this is actually a really weird story um yeah tell me then the nets played the spurs last last season um Mm -hmm. i was at that game my my girlfriend got me tickets for my birthday and then a week later we shut down no way. Like, yeah, like I was at oh. like the last uh, Nets game before the shutdown. And it was so weird, like thinking about it in October, talking to her about it. She was like, we were at a game surrounded by thousands of people. <laughs> <laughs> like right before Corona. Now that we are letting fans back in slowly, now we're 10% and growing, would you feel comfortable going to an NBA game? Probably not. i probably wait till next season. I mean, mm-hmm. look – there, like yes, there's 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 this need to get out, but we're like hunker down. We're like five six months out of this. So he said, Joe right. said May first, everyone's going to be eligible. So like right after we make it through New Year's or through the Fourth of July, we're probably pretty good. We're, yeah, I mean just wear a mask. It's really not that hard. Take the vaccine when it's your turn, and then oh, I'm getting in line once I can. <laughs> yeah, um, it's You're absolutely you know, right. We're, we're, we're right there. So, yeah, you know, it's cool to have the fans in. I think especially if the Knicks made the playoffs that that the state will leave that rock. I can't like it is mind boggling that they're this good still. Do you got to give it to Coach Thibs? Do you think he gets coach of the year for this? No, um, I really? also don't think you're going to make the playoffs. So here's here's my why is that Knicks have had one of the softest schedules in the league and their schedule mm-hmm. gets much harder going forward. They've oh, also yeah. had the largest gap between uh, projected field goal range and actual field goal uh, range. So like, the teams have been shooting worse by the largest margin in the league, and they've had an easy schedule, and they're, like, just about 500. You know, the thing that you are making a good point, and that was one of the things that at least assuring, and I get it. We're not – if we make the playoffs, and I've been on record say this, it's going to be a um, – it's possible. I'm pushing for it, but, you know – 
that would be just we're playing it with house mo- house money with what's going on in this. And what's been tough is we ha- we do do well against the bad teams, but we've seen in the last stretch. It's a really good teams. We're not good. Got our ass beat by Milwaukee this past weekend. Even though we've battled hard, still tough loss with Brooklyn. That could have gone either way. And, I mean, you know, we talk about the shooting, too. We just had so many open looks at the fourth quarter, especially in the last five minutes that just didn't go in. Well, Brooklyn is, Brooklyn's over without KD and uh, Blake, so, right? Exactly. Blake's first game, I think, would be tomorrow. So, yeah, again, if we lost with that with just the Harden and uh, Kyrie-led team, we're playing the Sixers tonight as we record it. That's probably going to be another blowout. So, you know, we do have a ways to go, but at least, like you said, we're just being competitive. And, you know, you saw, I'm sure you saw the video, how crazy outside Madison Square Garden was when we hit 500. Just yeah, imagine. I haven't actually seen that video. But look, the, the goal, even if you don't make the playoffs, you've changed the perception of the franchise. That's what the most important and the biggest win. People would go and, you know, get an auto, think they got an automatic win. When we hit 20 wins, um, right before the all-star break, we didn't hit 20 wins until the very last, that was our very last one of the year. We went, uh, we went uh, 20 and 42 and now we're 20 and night. Well now 20 and 20, but it's, it's, it's just so much fun to be competitive. And that's what I'm saying. And now and we can, and that's how you're going to get free agents. Like yes, that. Exactly. Now, now, instead of, Oh, it's New York that they're going to have an option. Now, when, you know, somebody gets upset and wants to leave, this is like a realistic option for you because you have, exactly. and especially you have Randall who now appears to be, you know, it's possible to build the centerpiece around him. Yes. And it seems that he wants to be the guy I, I was expecting him to have a good season, then just get traded to a competitive team. Yeah, he had. That's like, what I was expecting. And now he's making it his team. As the, I'm sorry, yeah. you were saying? I didn't mean that. Their, their last year, their contracts were were good. Like they signed people to good, like one year, two year deals. Like Randall made sense to sports on him because he was the youngest guy and he was the one who, like, you could play for a couple years and then trade him. The more signing I'm still mad about because you fucked us out of debt. Uh, uh, Dave Vertans for that one. But now we don't have to pay him $80 million. Um, yeah, see, and if you're talking, as you're saying, building the core while still being competitive, as you said, maybe it ain't so bad either. Yeah, so, I mean, you got you got some nice – Randall's still what? Is he 25 yet? Yeah, I think he, he's still really young. I mean, And, and Robinson and Quigley and, and R.J. Barrett are at least, like, under 23. So you oh yeah, Julius Randle's twenty six, but yeah, okay. RJ's tw- I think RJ's twenty one. Quick's nineteen. I think Obi's older than most of the. Well, yeah, oh, yeah Obi's course. in there too. Um, I mean, I is our Frank's got to be. This is the end of his rookie contract, right? Yes, Frank is Frank. This is definitely the end of his contract. He's, so he could possibly traded, and then and then Kevin will be out of the league in two years. So you know, <laughs> <laughs> see ya. Yeah, honestly, that was, I can't believe they didn't take Michael Porter Jr. Oh, yes, yeah. just the cringe, the cringe box. But you were saying the Knicks, you think that they might not make the playoffs. So right now, I respect your opinion. But at this moment, the season today, they would be in the play in tournament. Right above them is the Hornets at 2018. Knicks are exactly 2020. The Hawks, who've been really hot lately at 19 and 20. Then it goes the Bulls and Pacers. Do you th- and then under them is the Raptors. Who's still staying competitive, but then we had the Cavs, Wizards, Magic, who nobody's looking right now. None of them, all of them are in at least on a three game losing streak and worse. But you think that the Knicks might be just short? Why is that? 
I mean, well, you, like well, said, you, well, you explain, sorry, you explain the, um, you well, explain the, the dynamic behind them. So yes. do you uh, think they uh, can overthrow? Let me, uh, so behind them is the, I think Toronto is going to make it. I think they've had a lot of injury issues. Mm-hmm. Um, I think at some point Nick Nurse is actually going to play uh, Chris uh, uh, Booster more at center. I wish he would because I keep picking him up in fantasy and then he keeps like flipping him around. Not getting um, his minutes. <laughs> I mean, he's the best set option in center. The ones they're healthy. I think a lot of Toronto stuff depends on what they do with Lowry when they trade him. Um, I think the Knicks are a year away. I don't know if the Hornets are going to make it, but holy crap, is Lamelo better than I thought he would be? Right. Um, and him with, with having a solid Gordon Hayward on his side too, with that veteran presence. And uh, I mean, Lamelo Ball is legit. He's definitely winning Rookie of the Year, and he's way yeah. better than his brother looks like. Well, the issue really was. With Lonzo, he couldn't shoot. And nope. it's still kind of the issue. And Amazing at passing and assists, but... And a good defender, and he's a big guard, but he couldn't shoot. And LaMelo, coming into the draft, had a similar, you know, a similar outlook. So his shooting right. has been much more average. Like, I think he just didn't care when he was playing elsewhere. And I think... Yeah, you know, out in Australia and stuff. Yeah, I think him playing in the NBA is a totally different like thing. So, I mean, it's good for the Hornets, but no, I think Toronto's going to be there. And I, I mean, the heat, they're going to be in the playoffs. I don't know mm-hmm. if the wizards are going to make it, but out of those bottom three teams, they're the only ones that's going to be competitive. And uh, do you know, they're definitely not getting rid of Brad Beal. Do you think as some people, have I don't think suggested. they're going to get rid of bad Brad Beal. I think they're going to see one more year. Mm-hmm. Uh, how it goes. Cause they, they're going to chalk this up to, to COVID and being a weird season and give us one more shot. I think Beal might actually realistically want to stay. Poor um, Russ, too. <laughs> man, I you, you got to respect the dude. He can't shoot, but he plays his hard. I mean, he's the only guy who's ever, was it three seasons now he's averaged a triple double? Yeah. It's Oscar Robinson. I mean, Oscar his, you get mad at his flaws, but I mean, he's an unbelievable player. Yeah. Definitely. I think he's going to Hall of Fame. Uh, I mean, when you average a triple double, that not that enough for more than one season, too? Yeah, I mean, obviously the first one was was Stat Paddock, mm-hmm. and then there was the weird Paul George years. It's a weird team. Oklahoma City sets of weird teams. So with who we do have, we have teams going in the Nets. You know, again, if the Sixers lose tonight, the Nets go in first. The Bucks have been hot. Uh, the Celtics playing much better uh, from the East. And the Sixers just killing it. The West have the rise of the Jazz and the Sun. You know, who would have thought? I mean, it was cool when CP3 came to the Suns, but who would have thought that extra kick? And everyone was excited with how well the Suns played in the bubble. But now they're second in the East. Can't forget the Clippers, too, with Kawhi and Paul George. And the Nuggets, the Nuggets are t- still a team force to be reckoned with. With all this going on, Bach, who do you see making the finals from the East and the West. And who do you think is going to win it all as of today in mid-March? Well, in the East, I think it's going to be Brooklyn. You do. I, 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 so my caveat to that is they need another big guy and I don't know where they're going to get him. And then um, not on, on top of Blake. Yeah. They need like an actual big guy who can play defense and rebound. So on, um, so wouldn't a perfect person be a um, Andre Drummond then? It would be an Andre Drummond, but they have no assets to trade for Andre Drummond. 
<laughs> they literally let everything else they could go, but not this. Yeah. Um, they, so I don't know. I think Philly could, could make it. They got to hit their threes. Um, cause, cause realistically they match up pretty well. I mean, they, Joel Embiid is going to average 35 and 17 against them. Um, yeah. Ben Simmons, Ben Simmons is one of the few players who could like theoretically slow down any of the, the, the Brooklyn players who gets yeah. hot. Um, my T is, is a really good defender. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know what to make of Milwaukee. They've just been a, had a weird year, but it's it's one of those three. I think it's going to be Brooklyn. For the West, it's not going to be Utah. They're a lot you of they're, built, you think they're a flawed team. You think they're well, yeah, they are because we've seen every single year that there's a perimeter guy. They just torch Rudy Gobert every single time. <laughs> Utah needs they need a wing guy. They, they don't have like a true wing stopper that could like clamp down on like a hot scoring wing or guard. Could your boy Lamarcus be that guy to fill in the role? No, Lamarcus. I Lamarcus can't walk. You ever watch him run up and down the court? The boot, the dude can't move. <laughs> not um, lately, but uh, no, actually, you know, there is one video your feed. I'm thinking about it now. Yeah, I've seen. He's a uh, has wear some some wear and tear. Um, I mean, they they really need a, like a wing guy. I like the Nuggets a lot. I'm a huge Jokic fan. Um, I think the MVP race is going to come down to him or Embiid. Uh, um, but I think if he averages like. Almost a triple double. You got to give it to to Jokic because yeah, he's a he's a center. Centers don't average triple doubles. And he's not the one with blocks. He can make. He can get those threes in there too. Like, yeah, I think the biggest thing holding them back is Jamal Murray is super inconsistent, and they've been hurt. And you never really know. And Michael Porter is kind of like waving in and out whether he's going to take the leap. Um, Phoenix, I, I don't know. Phoenix is their offense is really good. Denver is very good. They they got they got DeAndre in like a weird spot. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, long term, they would have been better taking Luca than DeAndre Ayton because you could have Luca Devin Booker. Yep. Um, Boy, and then you can, can you figure imagine? out the rest of it from there. But I I think they're gonna be they they might make it to the second. They'll probably make it to the second round. I don't know if they'll make it to the the uh, Western Conference Finals. I still think it's probably gonna be one of the LA teams. Versus, I'm gonna say Denver. I think Denver's gonna be the other team mm-hmm. in the Western Conference final versus one of the LA teams. I don't know which one it is. Um, it's gonna depend a lot on their health and whether or not the the Clippers, you know, shut themselves again. Yo, you got <laughs> it. The, I'm sorry, that was saying. bad. That was so bad. Like watching that. Wow. Yeah, in the second round. So bad. It's it's. I mean, they lost their coach out of it. Doc Rivers got ousted after that. So, yeah, but they're still holding it down with Tyrone Liu. And, boy, they, you know, I'm going to – I'm going – you know, I originally – I can't remember. I originally thought the Clippers in my early picks for the – when I did my NBA show, but the Lakers, I mean, once AD is back at full streak too, like if LeBron gets that fifth ring and next season so much on the line to try to – to die to tie Jordan. I think that I think that alone could be the extra motivating factor with him. I know what is LeBron 37, 38. 37, I think. Also, yeah. the other thing is if the Clippers don't win this year, they're they're in a lot of trouble because Paul George and Choir free agents. Yeah, exactly. And then it turns into a Colossus failure. So if they if they if they if they like flame out again, somebody's getting traded. Again, oh boy! (laughs) But we we have so much NBA to look forward to, Bach. We really do, and uh, I'm gonna I support. I think seeing a Brooklyn team going against the Lakers 
I still have to be loyal and keep with my with my uh, Bucks. I said Bucks Clippers at the beginning of the season, but um, if I don't know, Brooklyn team is just bonkers. Yeah, I mean Brooklyn. You have an All Star team alone. You'd have an All Star team five years ago if with that with that four plus, you know what Joe Harris and stuff, but yeah. uh, or Jeff Green. It's 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 so intense, and we're gonna watch it through the summer now. And I just can't wait. I just can't wait. So, Bach, there's one more thing I have to do with you before we uh, before we sign off here. I. Think you may have heard of it before, but just in case you haven't, the famous Prouse questionnaire, which is 10 questions, 10 of final questions to learn more about you as we've been killing it for an hour and a half. I would just love to hear your answers to these 10 short but deep questions. Are you ready? Okay. So what's your favorite word, Bach? My favorite word. Yep. I have no idea. I think the word I use most often is um, because I'm thinking, but like, (laughs) that's such a weird question. I don't don't know if I have a favorite word. (laughs) All right. All right. What's your least favorite word? My least favorite word. Um... I don't know. I, I, I don't I don't really like dislike languages, I guess would be my, my statement. <laughs> no worries. I'm sure you get the answer like moist all the time. It has been a couple or people comment or no or people will say, well, it's not moist or you or I've also heard you get moist a lot. But um, yeah, people are very different with that. My favorite the one of my one of the times I get a lot is your favorite curse word is fuck. That's often that's a popular one. But my next question, it's not a sexual question, it's more of a life question. What turns you on in this world? Like like what makes me happy type of thing? Yeah, like what turns you on, whether it's nature or basketball or politics? Like what I mean, gives I love, you so much fulfillment? I I like to be mentally stimulated. I enjoy the politics because I like to think about things and I enjoy debating because I, you know, I like to craft an argument to see whether I can change someone's mind. The basketball, I just like part of the reason I'm a Spurs fan is, is, is watching them play. You see the beauty in the game of it, you know, the, the oh, yeah. passing and the rotations and stuff. Um, it's nowhere near that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like the, especially those old Spurs teams, you just saw a perfectly Conducted, conducted basketball, almost like a per, how a great college team plays as a team. What turns you off in this world? I really hate stupid people. Tell me like, about it. Like, and I don't mean like you have like the inability to learn, or you're um, you're not you're like there's something like about you where you you just don't understand information. I mean, like people who are objectively against learning more and bettering themselves and like against, you know, more information. Yeah. I mean, with that too, it's just, just give some more effort. Use your common sense. Don't do the stereotype of a stupid person. So my next question is what sound or noise do you love? 
I, I love hearing like a basketball. It's like, you know, you walk on the court, you you, you just like hearing it for the first oh, time. Yeah. That's even always the, good. That's even the, sque- the squeaky sneakers out there and then the a great swoosh is, is a lovely sound. It's always nice, yeah. I mean, the sneaker noise is, is okay because that, that varies based on, you know, the, the gym and the shoes. I don't really mind the sneaker, but it's like you you can hear like the bouncing, like the first time you get on the court, you hear the bouncing ball. It's just like a different feel. You're like, all right, now it's game time. Yes, sir. You've been able to ball lately? Yeah, actually, I found a gym, so I've been going um, oh, like cool. once or twice a week. Getting ready and for And I was playing at a park while it was nicer. Oh, yes. I can't. I'm getting away for I've been training for uh, armor ball, so it's going to be good. What sound or noise do you hate? I hate my alarm. I'm sure that's <laughs> a pretty good answer. Actually, that's a first. No one's ever really? said the alarm. <laughs> yeah, man, I like to sleep. sleep <laughs> oh, yes. So what's your favorite curse word? Probably fuck. Probably fuck. <laughs> hey, it's so it's just so uh, so versatile. Absolutely, what a word created. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? I'd love to be a pro basketball player, but you know that would be <laughs> <laughs> well. But to to actually attempt, I really love to try to be president. I think that would be fun. Yo, I, it's a really stressful prison. job. It's a really stressful job, but uh. I think if you like, you truly care about people and you, you have the right policies to, you know, make people's lives better it would be, uh, be worth it. Please be the president and raise the stock of this podcast. You definitely have my support. Vote Bach. <laughs> 2030s, 40s, 50s. Well, I, I actually figured it out. Like a realistic, like age time would be like 2040. 2040. <laughs> oh, man. That's, we'll see, we're at 19 years from now. <laughs> yeah. All right. What profession would you not like to do? Oof. Would I not like to? There's some truly terrible professions that just I have no desire to do. Um, <laughs> no, no offense to like anyone who does this, but I really don't want to have anything to do with like painting. Like, like, I know you had Gabe on, but I can't, <laughs> like, I can't, like, it's not the type of thing that I, like, I, I can't draw. It's it's just, I can't. And I don't, I don't want anything to do. I used to get laughed at um, in my art classes in high school because I was so bad at it. It's just, <laughs> I have no desire to do any. <laughs> oh, man. I wish I could paint, draw, and all that, too. I have the worst handwriting ever. Like, it makes doctors look Dude, legible. I can't. I can't. I'm so happy we have computers type stuff, but I need spell check on everything. I can't spell at all. Oh yeah. It, it, you know, what's crazy. It's just how much is your subconscious is your sumo. It's going to just auto edit for me. Yeah. That's really love that problem. YouTube all the time. My <laughs> final question for you, Bach for today. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say to you when you arrive at the pearly gates? Um, you made the world a better place. Look at that, man. What a wholesome, awesome answer. Bach, tell us again where we can find your content and follow you. Uh, you can follow me on YouTube at Fresh Faces New Ideas. You can follow me on Twitter at Faces Ideas. And you can listen to me on this podcast. What is Thursday? Is this coming out? Yep, this Thursday, the 18th. And you can follow me on the Center Left Radio podcast, uh, the ones where it says David Bach. All right. I'm going to be searching for it. 
I know I can't wait to see the more great things you produce. And I really hope you want to come on a regular basis, Bob. This was oh, great. yeah, absolutely. I had a good time. Uh, oh, it's been man. a while since I've uh, we've, we've chatted. Um, I, I'm going to keep following what you do. You know? Oh, and likewise here. I really, really enjoy your opinion to listen to them. So I'm glad we can make this the first of many collaborations. And yeah, yeah, it's just you're just an awesome guest, Bach. Seriously, Arm. And just thank you for the vibes. Thank you for your stories. And just thank you for being awesome. Is there anything else you want to say before we sign off? Um, no, please just, you know, follow me on this stuff. That would that would be really helpful if you like what I say. Uh, but you know, thank you for doing this, Matt. I, I appreciate this. It's good catching up with you. My pleasure, man. Can't wait to do this again. That's the great David Bach host of Fresh Faces New Ideas, and we will see you really, really soon, my friend. See, this is why David Bach is one of the greatest people I've ever met coming out of college. As for a lot of us, heck, all of us who went to the to a college or university, I went to school with a lot of fake, ungenuine, and difficult people. Yet, David Bach is not a part of that list. David Bach is someone I... Very, I am very fond of, and after catching up with him with this podcast, this proves why he is one of the most genuine people I know coming out of U-Heart. And don't get me wrong, there are definitely a good amount of people from U-Heart who are genuine and I love and who I'm still in touch with, and I have a lot of love, admiration, and respect for. And then there's people who aren't on that list. But for Bach, he is on that list of people I genuinely respect out of college. And thank you for an incredible show, man. Seriously, thank you. Just a reminder, don't forget to like and subscribe to the Productive Conversations podcast on all podcasts and platforms and YouTube. And please leave a review. Also, don't forget to check us out on the on our website, ProductiveConversationsPodcast.com, and check out all the exclusive content we have to offer with this podcast from our shows, from our videos, from my blogs, my resume, and other great things we have to offer. The Productive Conversations Podcast.com website is your hub for all things productive conversations. And don't forget to check us out on social media at Productive Conversations Podcast on Instagram, at Productive Conversations on TikTok, at ProdConvoPod on Twitter. And also, don't forget, to check out our merchandise store, thanks to our friends at Zazzle, whether through the episode description page or whether it's on our website, ProductiveConversationsPodcast.com slash merchandise, and check out all the great things we have to offer and sell to you, thanks to our friends at Zazzle, for the most comfortable apparel. I'm still wearing that hoodie. Very comfortable, but you can also get t-shirts and flip-flops and socks, and you can also get other miscellaneous items from pillows to headphones. You can get office supplies, stationary stuff, anything we can place. The logo of the Productive Conversations podcast is available for purchase at our merchandise store. Thanks to Zazzle. And don't forget to write the individual promo codes to make it even more affordable at checkout. I'm here 
Green is the official theme song for the NCAA March Madness tournament coverage, specifically from CBS. And we've been waiting a long time to hear it. A very long time to hear our March Madness music, but it is back. We all know what happened a year ago. We did not have the March Madness tournament, one of the first major casualties thanks to the COVID-19 pandemic. But a year later, thanks to the help of the incredible healthcare workers, our essential workers, and science, we are at the finish line to finally beat the COVID-19 pandemic and thank the good Lord because people feel it's safe enough to have this tournament for both the men's and the women's Division One NCAA tournaments. And we're going to focus on the men's tournament today, but the women's tournament is just as exciting as the men's and hopefully the Lady Huskies of UConn take it all. That is my pick to win it. Let's go, UConn women's basketball. And now let's switch to the big dance for the men. Okay, so it's been a very weird year in the world of college basketball. Extremely, extremely weird. We have seen so many teams needing to drop out of tournaments due to positive COVID, uh, due to players and personnel testing positive for COVID. We've seen so many teams not as good as they usually are. And we have seen just things all over the place. But at least one of the most exciting things we could talk about is that there is a tournament despite all the craziness going on. So trying to figure out how this is all unfolding and watching as much college basketball as I can amongst my busy schedule, it's just so nice to still see the fact that there is something to watch with college basketball. Don't forget, there was a time we didn't have sports for many months when the pandemic first started. And no college basketball especially. But now, with things slowly, slowly and cautiously getting back to normal, which includes this big tradition every March to fill out brackets as we usually, do, as big sports fans and college sports fans usually do. We're here trying to sort out what's what and who's who and who is going to win in this. The best 68 teams in the nation, Division One, specifically, who is going to take the crown and be the national champion. So the way I decided to do this show, initially I had a partner to team up with me to break down and preview the NCAA tournament, but he flaked out on me and, well, not going to let that stop me from creating great content and just know we know we have now learned some things from this situation that will help us move forward and just don't forget to keep around the people that you can trust to not flake on you as anyone in life can understand that but i ain't mad i ain't upset and I am going to still give the best preview show possible. So the way I decided to create this preview show is, you know, we would be here all day if you wanted me to break down every single game of all 68 teams. But I'm going to talk about probably the most popular factors of this tournament is talk about the round of 64 and its upsets. And then we're going to talk about the final four I decided to pick. Before I tell you my final four, we're going to look at the upsets I've picked. Now, the way I decide every year to pick 
who I think will be advancing from the very first round. So I look at the sport. I look at the point spreads. From there, you could trust that the bookmakers, whether from Vegas or wherever, knows the teams, can break down the teams, and they help decide which teams are more evenly matched than others. For instance, Baylor, they are ranked the second best team in the nation. They're playing against my alma mater, University of Hartford, which is exciting because this is our first NCAA tournament ever. I mean, wow, it's just so cool to say that first ever, and it was fun watching them win with my buddies Brandon and Sam. But the tough thing about that is is the fact that I believe the Baylor is a 26-point favorite coming into the first matchup this weekend. So though we would love to see the Hartford Hawks make the second-ever uh, the the second ever 16 beating a one seed. The first time was a few years ago when UMBC, University of Maryland, Baltimore County, when they defeated Virginia, I think back back in 2018, they were able to pull up the 16 over one upset, either 17 or 18 for sure. Then they play in the same conference. Can the American East um, overthrow another one seed? But I don't think... After watching Uhart's lack of scoring against a team that doesn't know how to not score in Baylor, I think, though I would love to see it, I do think Baylor is going to be taking that one rather easily. But some of the other upsets that I'm choosing in the round of 64, one of the classic upsets we see often is the 12th seed beating the 5th seed. And I believe the University of California in Santa Barbara is going to overthrow Creighton. The fact that they are 18-1 and one in the last 19 games, the fact that they have people like Ja'Cory McLaughlin who, and Miles Norris who make big presents for themselves. And I think with the incredible winning streak that Santa Barbara's on Creighton being absolutely embarrassed in the Big East Championship by Georgetown. I mean, what was it like? I think it was like seventy-three to forty-eight, something like that. It was well over a twenty-five point loss. I think that embarrassing loss, plus this almost Cinderella story Santa Barbara has been on with the upperclassmen playing so well, and again, eighteen. Well, they've won eighteen of their last nineteen games. I think you see Santa Barbara is going to be winning this and making it to the next round. And Creighton will be going home after another tough loss. That's my one upset out of the West region. I have Gonzaga defeating their 16 seed, still being decided. Oklahoma defeating Mizzou. Uh, Virginia beating Ohio. USC defeating the Wichita-Drake game, uh, Kansas beating Eastern Washington, Oregon beating VCU, and Iowa defeating Grand Canyon University. But some other things to mention from the West from the West region. As I keep it pretty standard, uh, the Sweet 16 from there is going to be Gonzaga against Virginia. And then I think Kansas, even though they had a drop out of the Big 12 tournament, with a stellar defense, I think they could get it to the Sweet 16. And then we have Iowa defeating Oregon and slipping right in there. And I think the key for Iowa is no doubt the help of Player of the Year, Luca Garza, coming in. Always getting boards. A good scorer as well. And he has also a great core behind him with people like Jordan Bonahan and CJ Fred- Frederick as a nice big three for the Iowa Hawkeyes. 
but I do not think they will be able to hold it down in the Sweet 16 against Kansas. I think with the help of Kansas's depth, the shutdown defense, being a way better second-half team, having a great three-shot, and just being a great free-throw team as well, I think they are going to make it to the Elite Eight and it going up against Gonzaga, arguably the best team in the nation, but I think Gonzaga is going to take it and they are going to be representing the Western Division in the Final Four and continue their undefeated streak. As you look towards the Eastern region, I have to say, my, who, or I should say, who I'm picking here as the big upset is another 12 to another 5. I think Georgetown, even though winning the Big East, just destroying Creighton, they are considered a very underwhelming team. Yet, I think their momentum with their momentum winning the Big East, having a great score and Javon Blair, having great rebounders from Quadis Wahab and Jamarco Pickett, I think that they are going to be able to beat a Colorado team who will be off their game despite the great scoring that they provide even on the three. They're great at the free throws, and we know free throws are the thing that wins the NCAA tournament. But I just think, and I could be wrong, and this is going to be me playing with house money, and I might be very well stupid to pick Georgetown defeating Creighton. I'm sorry, defeating Colorado, but I just think this is going to be one of those rare instances of a team having a great day versus a team having a bad day, and I think they're going to pull off an upset and bust a lot of brackets, hopefully not mine, but I think Georgetown is going to defeat Colorado, mainly on pure adrenaline from winning the Big East and having having a great team with rebounders and Javon Blair leading the way. So... I again, I actually think the Michigan State UCLA playing game is going to defeat BYU. Whether two legendary programs, I personally think Michigan State's going to win it, and I believe Michigan State and Tom Izzo's great, um, young, powerful offensive team is going to defeat BYU, and that's what's going to bring us to the round of 32 with some interesting games from the Eastern region. But also, I think. The boys over in stores at UConn is going to defeat Maryland with their up-and-coming program and much-improved men's basketball team than years prior, despite losing four four games against top 25 teams. I do think that they can defeat. I think that they can defeat Maryland thanks to a stellar defense and playing much better down the line. And James. Night is so much fun to watch on the offensive side of the ball. And I think their great defense is going to be the key factor in this game as they go up against a Maryland Turpins team who often is known for turnovering the ball, turning over the ball often. So UConn, I think, is going to make it. And I do believe Alabama is going to defeat Iona, even with the great momentum Rick Pitino has against his team from New Rochelle. But my big upset here, despite Michigan at one point being one of the best teams in the league, but recent losses lately and seeming a bit rusty after they had to pause their season because of a COVID outbreak, I actually believe LSU is going to be overtaking Michigan with a huge upset in the round of 32. I actually happened to watch the SEC Championship, Bama versus LSU, already heated rivalry on the football field, and it looks like it's transitioning into the 
basketball court. When you have people like Cameron Thomas and Traden Watford and Javante Smart, all, 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 all SEC, whether first team or second team, I mean, this team can score. They're very quick. They score free throws. I mean, awesome on the three, and I know defensive problems are a question for the Tigers, but I do think LSU can actually pull this upset off because of how rusty and how much momentum has been destroyed against the Michigan Wolverine. As Coach O said, go Tigers. I think LSU is going to be pulling off the upset in the round of 32. And another big team that I think is going to be making a run specifically from the ACC, and uh, it's going to be FSU, Florida State University. And why do you say that? Why do I think this is going to be the case for this top 25 team? Well, that's because... Offense, offense, offense for the Seminoles. They know how to make boards on the offensive side. They can score. They have an incredible team who knows how to shoot the three. Though we heard me talk about Georgetown making a big upset in the first round, I think that they will be sitting down and being blown out by the Seminoles in the second round. And I actually think the Seminoles are going to make a push going to the Sweet 16. I think they will defeat LSU in the game of offensive powerhouses, but the only difference is that FSU is one of the best offensive rebounding teams in the whole nation, and I think that they will be able to overcome the Tigers and make it to the Elite Eight. And who will their opponent be? Well, I think it's going to be the other SEC powerhouse mainly on the defensive side with Alabama. When you have the Defensive Player of the Year in, excuse me, what's his name, uh, Herbert Jones, and then you have Nate Oates as the SEC Coach of the Year, I think that they are going to overthrow Texas, though, as I mentioned, I think Michigan State will be the one who wins that playing game against UCLA. I think Texas is the team to defeat them and ruin their dreams, and that is simply because that they are Hot right now, being the Big 12 champions, but I do think that Bama will take them down in the Sweet 16 and our Elite 8. Though it would be so much fun to see LSU versus Alabama in the Elite 8. Oh man, I mean, that's just, I mean, for a great rematch in the SEC championship, that would write itself. But I do think the better scoring and better defending team in L in FSU is going to be taking the reigns. And who do I think out of that big Elite Eight matchup, who's going to be representing the East region in the Final Four? I actually think it's going to be Bama. Roll tie! Thanks to their incredible defense. Simple as that. So if we switch it up and now check out the Southern Conference. As I mentioned, I don't think Hartford Hawks are going to be upsetting Baylor, sadly. But I do think Wisconsin can overthrow North Carolina, who's had a struggling year. And by struggling, I mean to... Tar Heels standards, usually a top five team in the nation, a top 10 team in the nation, but they're just at 25 this season and only was two and four against top 25 teams. But despite that and being a great rebounding team, I think the more experienced Wisconsin Badgers is going to be taking over. Amongst the South region upsets that I personally picked, I think the Hoagies are going to defeat the Gators in a 10 over 7 seed. I think Virginia Tech is going to be defeating Florida. I know Florida has just had a mess of a season next to Virginia. Florida's had to stop for COVID. They lost their very best player and they are average at best against top 25 teams while Virginia Tech is undefeated. They're 4-0 and 
really good in their conference at 9-4 and four as well. They started off really hot, winning 13 of their first 16 games. But... Again, COVID had to shut them down. But they're playing against a team that has had a mess of their own, again, with another COVID shutdown with the Florida, and just not stepping up in big games, not staying consistent. I think the team that is better suited and prepared in the Hoagies are going to be the team who defeats the Gators once and for all and advance to the next round. I think a team to really look forward to who's going to make a push, and I have them go as far as the Elite Eight. I think Texas Tech, who were runner-ups in the last NCAA tournament and lost in overtime against Virginia, I think Texas Tech is going to be a team who's going to make a real push. And why is that? Why do I think they could defeat three a three-seed Arkansas, a two-seed Ohio State team to get to where they need to be? And defeating Utah State in the first round, I think Texas Tech's turnover and defensive numbers are something to pay attention to. I think when you have people like Marcus Santos Silva, who I think will be a great NBA player, who transferred to the team, who leads the team in blocks and rebounds, I think he's going to be a force in the paint. I think their guards in Terrence Shannon and Kyler Edwards, who are great at top of the key with great chemistry, I believe they are going to make a push. Plus, they just are able to create turnovers. They're able to score from def- on defense, and they're able to get to the line often, and they are a good free-throw shooting team. So Texas Tech, I believe they are going to go all the way to the Elite Eight, but I do think they are going to fall to Baylor, and Baylor is going to be the team representing the South Conference. Baylor is just incredible and fun to watch. You have uh, Jared Butler and... My Mike O.T. and Davon Mitchell leading the offense, who are incredible three shooters. Um, they just are great scorers going 22 and 2. And I mean, they were seven, they won seven of nine games against top 25 teams. And they are 13 1 in their conference. They score an average of 84 points a game. And this is college they're scoring that much. I just think. Despite me believing Texas Tech making a deep run, I think they're going to be stopped by Baylor. Simple as that. Baylor is just a great scoring team who makes it rain. And, well, expect to see them playing in the Final Four out of the South Conference. So our final conference is the Midwest Conference. The only upset I have with this, I actually believe Rutgers is going to defeat Clemson. Why is that? Well, Rutgers actually beat Illinois who is one of the top, what, four teams in the nation. They were able to defeat them. Why not be? Why can't they defeat Clemson, even if they lost to seven other top 25 teams? But I think with the help of a solid defensive front against the Tigers team that struggles scoring, I actually believe that Rutgers can pull it off and defeat Clemson. This team does have interesting This, or I should say this region, has interesting teams playing. We have the well-balanced West Virginia team. I think they will make a push to the Sweet 16. I believe Houston, with what they have in a really good second-chance point team. Absolute monsters and big men with people like Justin Gorham and DeJon Jera. Or Jeru. I believe it's John Jeru. Apologies if I missed that up. But Houston is just so freaking good. I really believe that. But 
the team that I really believe is going to go make a push, who is also going to make the Sweet 16. It's not going to be Illinois, who many experts believe that they are going to be making a real push to win it all, being led by Kofi Cockburn, who can be compared to all the great dominant big men who've ever played in basketball. I mean, people compare him to Shaquille O'Neal. People think he can make a presence like Giannis. Kofi Cockburn is really powerful, and we should expect him in the NBA draft. Awesome big man. But I actually think that Oklahoma State is going to be the one going to the Final Four out of this region. We know how good their best player is, Kate Cunningham, who is projected to be the number one pick in the NBA draft this summer. But with other great players like Avery Anderson III and Khalib Boone, down low, helping Kate Cunningham, who is leading in all individual points. I mean, this guy is so freaking good. He is so much fun to watch. I think we have like a Carmel Anthony situation where one guy with a great supporting cast is going to lead them all the way to the end. I really believe that. So I think Oklahoma is going to overcome Illinois in the Sweet 16. I think they could defeat Houston in the Elite Eight, and I believe they're going to the Final Four out of the Midwest region. So where does that bring us? What is often asked by many sports fans and college basketball fans, people like to ask each other, what is your Final Four? For me, I'm going with the Gonzaga Bulldogs and the Alabama Crimson Tide going against each other. And then the other Final Four game is going to be the Baylor Bears versus the Oklahoma State Cowboys. So Gonzaga, Bama, Baylor, and Oklahoma State, that is my Final Four this year. I see the Gonzaga Bulldogs in a narrow victory over the Crimson Tide. I think the well-coached Bulldogs are being led by senior Corey Kispert, Drew Timmy, Jalen Suggs, this team does not have many weaknesses. Incredible offensively, incredible defensively. And though I do think they are playing an incredibly well-coached team in themselves in the SEC's Alabama Crimson Tide, I think they will come up just short. I think Gonzaga is going to be playing in the championship. And who are they going to play in that championship? In a game between another well-efficiently coached team, a well-efficiently played Baylor Bears team, where they cannot be stopped offensively themselves, and they have a big three in themselves with Butler and Teague and Mitchell, and who just knows how to score threes, just scoring, 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 incredible offensive team. I just think Baylor would be too much for Oklahoma State. I think Kate Cunningham, this is where Kate Cunningham wishes he had another player on his level, but I just don't think that they are going to be able to knock them off despite how well offensively and quick the Cowboys are. I don't think Oklahoma State is taking it, and I think Baylor and Gonzaga are going to play in the championship, so my championship game is going to be Gonzaga against Baylor. I think throughout the entire season, they were ranked one and two in the polls, People pick them as the best two teams in the nation. And despite both teams being incredibly efficient off offense, have NBA-ready players, I think Mark Few's Gonzaga Bulldogs is taking the championship because of their defense. I believe they only, in a year they've gone undefeated, 26 wins in a row, they've only let two schools score over 70 points against them. Against them. So they have that going for them. I think they only allow something like 41% from the field against uh, opponent teams has against them scoring. And just Gonzaga is the team. 
I think they're taking it all. They are efficient everywhere in the game. Every single aspect of basketball they are efficient in. And I believe the Gonzaga Bulldogs are going to be winning their first ever national championship. You heard it here first. So that's my preview of March Madness in 2021. Again, I believe the Gonzaga Bulldogs are going to be winning the national championship this year. They are going to be the ones cutting down the nets. Good luck, Bulldogs, and good luck to everybody. And don't forget to watch March Madness all for the rest of the month of March into the first weekend in April. And everybody loves that weekend, that first weekend in April, those first two weekends with baseball starting, opening day around the corner. Then we have March Madness. Then we have the final four weekend. And then we have the Masters the next weekend after that. So, so much fun to look forward to. The first four starts tonight and the big games will follow after that starting tomorrow but march madness is here and we got so much to look forward to but also can't thank my guest enough david bach thank you for coming in to promote your show don't forget to like and subscribe to his youtube show fresh faces new ideas thank you so much bach for an amazing appearance thank you the greatest fans and listeners in the world for tuning in and listening to the great David Bach, to listening to the March Madness preview, and for always tuning in to the Productive Conversations podcast. I love and appreciate every single one of you. We're back here on Monday. We have Tom Roche, the state of comedian on the show. Oh man, you want to talk about great interviews. That is one for sure. We're going to laugh. We're going to maybe cry, but we're going to have the feels the entire time. Well, there's no crying or emotional parts in that interview. Just straight good vibes, all gas, no breaks. Be sure to check out Tom Roche this Monday. Have an incredible weekend. Do the right thing. Don't flake. Be a good person. And don't forget, this pandemic is going to end very soon. And good times are ahead. With that, my name is Matt Brown. I am the host of the Productive Conversations podcast. And I just want to wish you an amazing Incredible weekend. Do the right thing, everybody. See you next week. Peace.